Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 127. I am your host, Klaus Nightbringer, and joining me, we have a full crowd today. We've got Tal is Marvelous, and we have Sarah Timono for Two weeks in a two shows in a row. Wow! Slightly less broken wow. now. Yay for less broken. Yay for <laughs> soundboarding. I'm not gonna say fixed, but less broken. I think is a level I'm at. I, I, acceptable. That is in in this day and age, that is high praise. Yeah, like last weekend, like I've usually been rating on how I'm doing on a scale of like one to ten. Last weekend, I got up to a ten for a bit. Hmm. For the most part, I haven't gone above an eight since this all started. No, I, I, I understand that. And a lot of people are just really struggling to get by. I got a good piece of news this week. Um, so on Monday, I donated blood. I've been trying Ooh. to do that as much as possible when I'm eligible to do so. Thank you for that. Excellent. That is awesome. And, you know, being uh, O negative, it's uh, very sought after oh, blood. Hells yes. Um. And with all blood donations right now, and I'll give it, if if you guys can donate as well out there, I highly recommend it. Go to uh, uh, red redcross.org, and uh, you can look for uh, any um, blood drives in your area. You'll not only find out what your blood type is. The other thing they're doing is they are testing all blood donations for uh, COVID nineteen antibodies. Huh. Bonus. So free test. Basically, sort of. I mean, it's not telling you whether you have it currently, but they will tell you whether you've had it in the past. And I am happy to say I tested negative for uh, COVID-19 antibodies. Wasn't there some stuff about how uh, if you do have the antibodies, they might be able to use that in helping develop the vaccine as well? Yes, that has been uh, something that they have been looking at to see how they uh, react with uh, um, tests that they've been doing you know they're they're yeah. doing everything they can to try and make this entire situation better so and i mean doing there's a like science a, mm-hmm. there's like a perpetual need for blood donation even in the best of times yes so, so i mean it's if, true if, if you're healthy enough to donate i strongly recommend you go ahead and do that um and they are sweetening the pot a little bit um a lot of times they will give like five or ten dollar uh, gift cards to amazon as well or for donating. an extra cookie well they, they're pretty depends uh, on where you're donating <laughs> they're pretty open with the cookies anyway so that's good sneak that extra bag of raisins too because it because you need the extra energy Whoa. i actually got an ice cream bar at my last one. Oh damn <laughs> all i got was a ton of apple juice so like an unhealthy amount of apple juice which that you know you need the sugars to to raise your uh your energy so oh yeah it was liquid sugar i was also in college i was super down Woo. yeah so yes, if you can, please go donate. Um, we also made some changes to our Patreon, uh, which have been long overdue. Um, our our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Radio. If you want to support us, um, it's one of the ways that we actually get a highest the highest percentage um, of uh, money donated. 
So if, if you really want to support the show, you know, we, we do recommend, you know, that or a direct donation. Uh, if you want more of your money to go towards the show, um, just Puff, have we ever considered a PDR only fans? No, <laughs> I actually, I am not ashamed to admit, um, I did run an OnlyFans for about three weeks before it got shut down. <laughs> for... I feel like there's a story in there. There's absolutely a story in there. Um, somebody made a joke on Instagram of, we should make an OnlyFans about pizza. So I went and bought two pizzas and took pictures of pizza all over my house. And then scheduled all of the posts to see how many people would actually sub for it. <sighs> and it was an uncomfortable amount. <laughs> I mean, what kind of pizza are we talking about here? I bought one for Pizza Hut and one for Little Caesars, and I just like... Okay, but I need to know love about... Story. It was bad. <laughs> oh my. I need to know about the, if you will, the toppings. Pepperoni on both. Okay. Did there, was there, was there less like and less pepperoni on each one of these? What was that? I said, was there less and less pepperoni in each of the, 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 the pictures moving forward? Only if you tipped. Oh. No, I, I literally <laughs> just took pictures of um, no, that's fine. slices of pizza, and people thought it was hysterical. Anyway, getting back to... Actually, no, the cheese pizza would be the missionary position of pizza. Pepperoni... All right, we need to get away from this, or it's going to get away from us. So, <laughs> that, 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 you know, we're not quite to, to Phoenix on radio. After dark. After dark. I mean, yeah, not until <laughs> autumn at this rate. It's still pretty light out. Yeah. Um, anyway, we made some changes. Um, renamed all of the levels. Uh, we've got, at the $5 is our pinion tier. Um, at the $10 level, what did I name that? And of course I don't have it up on. Give me a second, just going to the webpage. At the $10 level, no we call it. No apparently help you get it up is some pizza. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> this is my new favorite thing for the moment. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, where are my the tears here? Well, I'm, I'm crying because of this, but... I was about to say, I can keep going until you're sobbing, man. Okay, so... At <laughs> the $5 is is your opinion. Um, send a huge personalized thank you. An email from everyone at Phoenix Town Radio, and you will be considered one of our opinions. You'll also be given access to our pre-show green room and Discord, uh, where you ha we hang out before the show, uh, before and after the podcast. And you can tell us what you think, make comments, suggestions, or just worry about how much you love us. So... <laughs> uh, the $10 level I renamed to Pinion Plus um, because uh, that gives you moderator access to our green room channel um, also gets a personalized thank you and you're one of our pinions but the $20 level is where I made where we have our change right now um, at this level we're, you are a rainbow pinion and uh, we give donors at this tier a shout out at the end of every episode thanking them for their generous support like our, our lovely friend Rory Fenrir you're the best Rory <laughs> Um, we've You'll all get another shout out later. We've also um, added in a one of a kind Discord uh, title. We, you know, so like right right now, Aurori is our uh, benevolent overlord. So if you were to uh, donate at the twenty dollar level, you, we can give you a custom title as well in our in our Discord channel. Plus, you get the shout outs. Plus, you get everything else. So. Just, I've been trying to think of ways to, you know, improve that and uh, get uh, m more traction with it. 
um, without seeming like I'm begging all the time. So um, I don't post. We love interacting with everybody. So if you want to interact with us and tell us, you know, good, bad, and ugly, and thank you, and that kind of stuff, this is the way to do that so that we can make the show even better. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's kind of like our version of the executive producer perk that a lot of podcasts have. But uh, this way you can kind of come up with your own title. I mean, we have to approve it, of course. I mean, it can't be something totally overboard, but... It is it us, be... so remember yeah. that it is us. It is like, us. Whatever you come up with is likely going to be okay. Slightly dangerous for work at best. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what the changes made to our uh, our, our um, Patreon. So, if, like I said, if you uh, have been thinking about it, now would be a great time to do it with the additional uh, perks added to the Rainbow Pinion tier. And if you have other ideas or things that we can add into that, let us know, because we are always uh, open for options. And because communicating with us might be difficult for some people, just remember, we can go all old school and have email at podcast at phoenixdownradio.com. That too. Um, Another thing that I wanted to talk with you guys really about is if you have PlayStation Plus, let us know. Because there is a new game that is free right now for PlayStation Plus members. It's called Fall Guys. Now, how many of you guys remember uh, Wipeout or Takashi's Castle or the games like that? Those game shows. I I definitely got a Takashi's Castle the first time I saw it on Grand Pooh Bear's screen. Now, imagine that game with little... What do, what do we want to call them? Kind of little... Uh, They're basically Sackboy from Little Big Planet, but not actual Sackboy. Yeah, it, it's they're, they're more like little physics experiments, wibbly-wobbly kind of... Uh, um, it, it's, a fun, it's a funky physics game um, where you and 60 others, or 59 others technically, are running through these little puzzles trying to get to the end of the goal. And this looks like a horrific obstacle course that will cause many lawsuits. I'm looking forward to this even more now. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's uh, But a... if you have PlayStation Plus or you're on PlayStation Plus and have Fall Guys, uh, let us know because we would absolutely love to play with you guys because yes, it is so much fun. We would love to get a PDR night in Fall Guys. I played it a little bit on stream last week and I had a great time and it's like, you know, it's a, it's a fun game, but I don't know if I could play it for very long by myself. But I literally had to exit out to join us, like here in the podcast. Like I was okay. playing this afternoon. Just had, just had a brilliant idea. Hear me out. Don't say no, Klaus. Hear me out. Hear me out. No. Wow. <laughs> but yes, go ahead. Secret trader mechanic. No. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Anyway, we want to do a a, a PDR. Uh, fall guys night and play with you guys because it'll make it a lot more fun we can all get into discord if possible and we can chat while we're, we're goofing around we can maybe uh, wreak havoc on some of the other players you know i definitely won't secretly betray any of you because we'll kick him if he does we could definitely yeet sarah off the first platform yep yeah that's reasonable so yeah that, that's <laughs> think about that um let us know if, if it's something you'd be interested in in and we'll move forward from that Aside from those things, what else have you guys been up to since the last episode? So I've had a lot going on just for library stuff. I actually taught a photography course to middle schoolers who it turns out are really good at taking pictures. Mm. 
Uh, also managed to get going a little bit more uh, in FF14, started working on leveling some stuff, because some friends of mine, I think I've mentioned those friends who I, uh, back in the world before, I would go over to their house once a week and we'd make dinner and hang out and do all that. Mm -hmm. They decided that the free trial changes were enough that they wanted to go ahead and try giving FF14 a go. So they've been on. Yeah, and then Tuesday they're going to be able to play a lot of the game, you know, until they're forced to purchase a subscription and the game. Yeah. From what I've been hearing from them, they already really like the storyline. I've been really impressed with it. So I don't think that's going to be a hard sell. Yeah, the the only downside to the whole uh, free trial thing is they can't be in a uh, free company or anything like that. Or friends. Well, they can't just trade. Anything. They can't use the market board. There's a there's a couple problems, but yeah. it's not too bad. No, oh, yeah, they can't damn, have. They must have. They must have upped then because at some point I uh, traded them some gear I'd made. So they must have decided to go for it. Trade might be well, okay, damn. but I don't think you can use the market board. You can't use retainers, um, stuff like that. I honestly haven't looked in long enough. I can't confirm. I it. think, but yeah. Anyway, that's cool. You know that we're getting more people to come in, in you know showing that the things that they're doing actually have, you know, positive uh, consequence. Newbies are the lifeblood. That's true. What about you, Talas? So, um. Since the last show, I have doubled the amount of cars that I have owned this year. Oh my gosh. Now, in fairness, that does mean I've only acquired and sold two. Why but is it I... every time someone says, in fairness, it doesn't actually make it better? <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I bought a BMW 330 Coupe and the damage on the rear looked like it was bumper damage but it was actually crush the entire battery compartment and destroy the trunk damage so i sold the wheels for as much as i bought the whole car for and i gave the rest of the car away for free then i bought a bmw 328i then the engine caught fire it was only a little fire and i was only going 65 so it's fine but the engine caught fire while i was driving it so i ended up selling that uh yeah hey, so stuff happened how about you not own a car? Uh, how about I just die? Like, no, just no, don't die do that. Don't do that. Just don't own a car. You know, drive around the company vehicle because it seems like you're okay with those. Just don't own yeah. one. I actually did seriously. I did seriously ask if I could take the box truck home, and they looked at me like I was insane. So obviously the answer is no. Hmm. Uh, however, a friend of mine bought a motorcycle. And question mark, question mark, question mark. So I currently have his car. So how about, or like just borrow? Like what we're suggesting here is the difference between marriage and a series of brief flings. Yes. Uh, well, we know historically. Uh, anyway, let's. <laughs> I have I have some car things that have happened. Uh, but yes, I've owned four cars since I got back from Nagasaki. I have driven over a hundred. Damn. Okay, if Talent? we don't count the two dealer three seven dealerships I've worked at, I've actually only driven like twenty-five, but still, it's a lot. So what's the driving equivalent of a serial monogamist asking for a friend? A friend is Tyler. <laughs> am I the friend? Sarah, yes. am I the friend? <laughs> yes. Uh but yes, uh good news. Um nothing actually bad happened other than I had to sell some stuff on Craigslist, which is never really great. Um uh, mm -hmm. And it was only a little fire, um, but I was also 200 miles from home when the engine caught fire on the freeway, so that just, was an adventure. I'm very glad that there's not a car version of Tinder available, so. 
Why? So I could just end up. I feel need for that though. Oh my There's god! A... Start up. There's a Subaru uh, style upgrade for a lot of their vehicles. It's called STI that I feel is really, really noteworthy in this particular moment. <laughs> I'll just be a moment. Now that I've broken Sarah. <laughs> That's Sarah right now. He's just kind of broken laughing. Alright, um... <laughs> So yeah, I mean, if you guys want to share what you guys have been up to, you can always uh, hit us up on Twitter at PHXDN Radio. You can email us, podcast at phoenixradio.com, or you can always join us in our Discord. You know, it's a great place to hang out and have fun. So, let's get into some game and community news, you know, because we need to kind of move hey. forward, because we need to keep Talos from talking about all of his uh, car affairs. His conquests. Yes. Careless whisper intensifies. <laughs> um, where are you? Final. Mm. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> okay, A before before we plus. get well done. <laughs> so never so we had Did you forget that I had that? I totally forgot. <laughs> I'm gonna need a minute. <laughs> Don't sleep well, on. Go ahead and move on with the news while we're doing that. All right. So let's start with because it's it's about Talos's favorite game. We want to make sure he's here. Final Fantasy VII news. Um, Next. So uh, Square Enix announced that uh, shipments and digital sales for Final Fantasy VII Remake have surpassed five million copies worldwide. Damn. It's actually one of their most successful uh, single player RPGs to date. Power of nostalgia, bitches. Yeah. Plus, like. Whatever Tally says, I enjoy it. It's a fun game. Exactly. I, I had I, I loved the game. Uh Talas is wrong in this case. So I love you, Talas. Like Jesse. Jesse was cool. Jesse made the game. Yeah. Anyway, um, unfortunately she's not never mind. I'm not gonna spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm not I gonna... mean like excellent <laughs> blend of nostalgia and hilarious new meme potential for yes. a new generation. But to, to celebrate, the game is currently thirty-four percent off until August nineteenth at select retailers and on the PlayStation store. So if you have friends that have been hemming and hawing about it, tell them about this. Maybe, you know, maybe that'll be enough to get them into the game. It is really yeah. good. Uh, I think the play style works well. Um, yeah, I have zero bad to say about it. Except for the fact that it was too short. It's a well-made game. Like, it's yeah. a good game. It's just not a game that I personally enjoyed. But, like, fundamentally, no, it's fucking incredible and so much fun. It's just not a game that I want to play a second time. Fair enough. Well, hopefully, each to their own. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you at least give it the the, the the you know part two a chance. I will wait until part two is on sale, but I will probably still get it again. Fair Sounds enough. That's reasonable. All right. So moving on, Final Fantasy Eleven. We're talking about that again. What the hell? Apparently, they're getting new storyline. Uh, and part one was released on Friday or no Thursday, August sixth. It is called. C11 has new storyline. Yeah, the voracious yeah, I'm resurgence. Very unexpected. Sarah, I need you to use your powers of library research to discover how the hell you spelled Berenstein is in Berenstein Bears. Because I need to know what universe we're in. Because 
storyline in 11 in 2020. Okay, I am not a good person to ask about this because I remember it as being S-T-A-I-N. Right, but like, it's so crazy that we're still getting stuff in 11, it's being updated, and people are still actively playing it and having a blast. It's mm -hmm. so cool. I, I figured like, they could keep it in effectively a maintenance mode for a while, but I didn't think they'd go up to like new content, including story level content yeah, at this point. 18 years later. Balance issues, sure. Uh, server load, absolutely. New story, new new NMs. Well, granted, like, like Nick Nair said That's in the weird. chat, there are three new missions right now, but this is only part one of this story. There, it's supposed to be um, spanning multiple version updates. So yeah, it might be something where they're dribbling out a bit at a time. It might not be the release schedule we would see for a game that's got full uh, whatever uh, staff dedicated to it. But still, the fact that they're producing anything is pretty impressive. We're not going to see the same updates that we'd see in 14 or even like Dragon Quest X. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to keep seeing stuff because I still get the newsletter. And it yep. just surprises me every time with stuff that's coming out. And yeah. they, they do have a uh, website dedicated to the new Resurgence uh, questline, and apparently Nicknar says the music is really good too. So, if you're still Ooh. if you're still subbed to Final Fantasy XI, go check it out. If you're not, but you remember your account credentials, I believe there is still a logon campaign good through the seventeenth. Okay, weird thing of the day. I still remember my Play Online ID. Same. I got it memorized. Yeah. It's like, why did I've had like five? I don't remember any of them. <laughs> I know the play online music. Because <laughs> boy, that 128k DSL download for oh, yeah. like I know. three days. Hey, try doing it on dial up. I did the beta on dial up, man. Oh, yeah. I played it on PS2. That shit was yeah. horrible. Yep. Yep. Yeah, PS2 beta. How did do this 20 years ago oh, so, and yet here we are sitting in our house in Chicago. Yeah. So. They, 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 they must have fixed the downloading issues because Nick Nar saying a fresh install is only an hour now I remember last time I tried to install it like last year it took me 18 hours on gigabit that might, might also be that the servers just get hammered less at this point or internet stuff is faster in general they read they redid the install files according to Nick Nar. So yeah, if, okay. if you if you That's don't good. have it installed, give it a shot. You can play it for about a week uh for free. And then I believe subs are only like eleven bucks or something like that. Yeah, so. they're cheap. Oh god, my mod garden has probably been cited by the homeowners association at this point. <laughs> I mowed the lawn in ages. Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah. And you have to grab the new install file from the website. Yeah. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 news. The Final Fantasy 15 book, The Dawn of the Future, is now available. Uh, if you guys remember, there were supposed to be four new DLCs, uh, chapters added to the game. Um, and then some Freya, Aranea, um, Noctis, and then Arden. The other half. Well, Arden, yes, but like the other half of the Arden story or yes. something like that. Well, we got Arden. Yeah. And part of Arden, and that's it. We are part of Arden, but also like Arden's story. Did you play the Ignis chapter as well? Uh, I've only actually played Prompto. I have to play Gladio, Ignis, and Arden yet. Uh, play Ignis. Ignis has a pretty big chunk of I've, the I've story heard, as well. I've heard that you know they're all really good. I just haven't had the opportunity to play them yet. I will. Don't worry. Um, but 
instead of getting the games or the the story in the game form as part of DLC, they've written it out in this book. Um, so it's got the the storylines from the canceled DLC for Luna Freya, Noctis, and Aranea, as well as additional story about Arden. Um, and it I'm actually down. is able to give the story a more positive closure versus what we get to play through in the game. Because it's pretty downer at the end. Everybody's dead. Honestly, the game, coming from a Japanese media perspective, the way that film is built in Japan, like having kind of a weird not great, not positive, non-finalized ending is very, very Kurosawa era of film design. So I was like, oh, okay, they're really going hard on this writing style. But then a lot of the more casual players were like, where's my ending? And then a lot of people that were super into 15 and watched Kingsglaive and watched the animations and got through it, they're like, where's the rest of my story? This book is the answer yep. for all of those, hopefully. Now, I mean, I understood where the ending went, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I, I felt that that was an okay ending. You know, what he did what he had to do for yep. the kingdom, for the planet. Yep. And, it's a yep. stylistic decision. It's definitely something that feels a little more artistic, which just like art doesn't always land with everyone. No. Exactly. No. So, now, the, we can... of course... Of course, the more important question is whether you chose your favorite picture to be something involving the cup noodles. <laughs> <laughs> There's also something to be said for Square Enix has been long been notorious for we're going to pick a really unique writing piece specifically because we want to push that boundary and do something different. Here's looking at you, Vaughn, who is somehow not the main character of your own game. Hmm. Anyway. Um, the book is available. It's twenty four ninety nine, and uh, I'm actually contemplating getting it. Hmm. I, I I like the storyline, but I'd like to see what they were planning for the uh, for those other stories. I mean, also, I do feel the need to point out, like, this is nowhere near the first time we've had ambiguous endings in the Final Fantasy series. We were just know. talking about Final Fantasy seven. Yep. Well, Final yeah. Fantasy thirteen. Oh God. Yeah. 13 they two. needed another two games for that. I mean, even 13 oh, two is a little bit ambiguous, and I, I haven't finished yeah. 13 three, so I'm not 100 familiar with that ending. Ten. I know enough about it; it's ambiguous. Yeah. Well, ten two was just Chrono Trigger three. We don't talk Almost. about ten two here. <laughs> uh, thirteen two. Thirteen two. Thirteen. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, thirteen two is Chrono Trigger three. Yes, thirteen two is amazing. I love that. It's game. very very fun. Yeah. Chrono Trigger 3, the Pokemon crossover. Yes. It's the Pokemon game. Everybody... Yeah. That's a rabbit hole we could go down for an episode or three. Oh, we, yeah. and we probably will. We are a long way away from FF13's music, so we'll have to save that for another yeah. day. Um, and like I said, you know, maybe down the road we'll start talking about some of the other games as well, story-wise and stuff like that. Maybe we'll make homework to play through some of the games and Oh, God, I still need to finish 15. Let's keep going at this point. <laughs> All right. So, and there is a ton of Final Fantasy 14 news. Surprise, Shock. surprise. Um, one of them that I actually didn't put in the uh, the show notes, but uh, you can see it if you're watching us live at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio or on the VOD at uh, youtube.com slash phoenixdownradio. Uh, there is a lovely minion sitting right in front of me of, of Cat Mommy. Julia Chai. You you get that 
from um, the code from the new art book for Final Fantasy XIV, which released, I believe, last week. Aren't they also doing a re-release of some of the older art books? They are. They announced that the uh, Heaven's Word and Stormblood books will be re-released um, in March and June of next year, respectively. All four oh, books. She just, she just gave Weird Cat Dad a bone-crushing hug. So yep. sweet. And if you look at uh, poor uh, um, Chinese's uh, face, he's just like... <laughs> it's absolutely adorable. If you can zoom in... <laughs> That's what it'll be. So we were discussing before the show about how we've had Weird Cat Dad dating sim and then Weird Cat Dad st uh, Solid, the stealth game. Next one will be a medical game where we have to revive Weird Cat Dad. Yes. Re Weird Cat Dad Trauma Center? Yes. Yes! Oh my God, Trauma Center. That takes me back. That's I know what I'm looking for after the show. Yes. <laughs> so yes, if, if you haven't uh, ordered your copy, they are still available out on the Square Enix store, so go get them. Um, 24-hour maintenance starting on Monday, August 10th at 3 a.m. Pacific time. So if you're planning on playing on Monday, nope, not happening. Just another maintenance Monday? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> T-shirts available now at phoenixdownradio.com. No, actually, at uh, redbubble.com slash phxdnradio. Oh, hey, sure, that works too. <laughs> Man, we've had months to do it, and I still saved all my irregular tonestone of Lara farming to the last few days. I've been doing it slowly and steadily. I think I'm close to five, I think more than 500 tomes now. Damn, I've got seven. I mean, I only need 14, so... I have no idea what I'm going to do with them. But like I said, I ran so many um, yeah. MSQ roulettes leveling up characters that just they just naturally uh, float Two in. Two different types of people, folks. Well, like I said, I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't farm for them. I got yeah. them as a part of my leveling. No, more, more in the sense of like, you actually did a bit at a time. I waited until the last minute. You normally do, though, on, on things like that, don't you? I can't work without deadline pressure. It's kind of a problem. Yeah, so I don't know how you're going to handle when we actually get the uh, um, the yokai watch back again, because that's a long, um, drawn-out yeah, like, thing. Last time, I did get the uh, expert, like, the second mount on two characters, but I was also having depressive episodes then. I'm a little better now. I'm not sure how this is going to work. Anyways... <laughs> Yeah, we've got uh, we've got those patch preliminary notes up as well, so yes, people we have already been uh, eagerly taking them apart. I haven't really gone through them yet because, well, a lot of the stuff we already know, um, but there's just been a lot of other things that I've had to read. But I've posted the link in the show notes and in the Twitch yeah. chat for those who are interested. There's lots that's in there. The surprise that I want to highlight. In the Aurum Vale, they are making count coin counters attacks have more standard indicators now. Gotta nerf it for the nubs, huh? I mean, coin counter was the thing that was like, it's not always going to be flashing stuff on the floor. Sometimes you need to look at their movements. He didn't, uh, there wasn't, there wasn't any uh, type of uh, um, indicator on the floor for any of his moves. Yeah, you had to look to other sides. And that was... One of the things that I liked about it, you know, back in my day, kidding. 
it, it's the needed. burn got nerfed too. Remember, I mean, we it, had it, the four heads, now yeah. we have three. Like we just—it's a thing that happens in games after a period of time. Yeah. It does. It's needed. You want to make it accessible for new players so they don't have to struggle and so they can catch up and have fun. I get it, but this is the one that makes me want to shake a cane and demand my liniment. <laughs> Dang, uh, that is a sentence that just happened. Holy crap! <laughs> yes. Um, it painted a word picture, did it not? It did. He didn't get a tiny onion happy to his belt. Clouds, happy little trees. And... He's tying an onion to his belt because that's the style at the time. Was it one of them big yellow onions? No, <laughs> it was a cheap white onion because that's all we could afford. I don't remember. <sighs> I don't remember any more of that, but uh, uh, you gotta well, love Grandpa Simpson. Across, I think. <laughs> Uh, They've so been throwing in stuff on the uh, patch 5.3 site as well. Uh, all of those little tidbits we've learned from the live letter about new content, yep. uh, new custom deliveries, all of that fun stuff. So Correct. take a look if you haven't Everything already. Everything that we've learned is, is out there. So there's a lot of screenshots available. The patch is there, or not the patch, the, the patch trailer is there. If you want to watch that again and again. Yeah. And again. As usual, I'm sure there's lots of hidden deceptive little things worked in there. It's going to be great. Yep. Uh, they also announced some more information regarding uh, changes to the ARR main scenario quest requirements uh, moving through. Um, I think most of this is is post of uh, 2.0. Uh, these particular ones. So, so there's two bits of it. One of them is that you just need to have the Crystal Tower stuff completed before uh, you can start the Uldah Banquet and the uh, Move Towards Heaven's Word. And then the other is that there's two MSQ sections that involve riding on a mount, uh, the attack on Castrum Meridianum, and the exploration of Azislaw that has you on Midgard Swarmers back at the end. And depending on what quests you already have done, but to start those ones, you'll need to actually have mount riding unlocked. Yep, because I'm sure there were a few people who didn't have that. They didn't do the it's My Little Chocobo quest, which is very simple. Yeah. And then you end up with a situation where your character can do something in a cutscene that it can't do outside of a cutscene. Yeah, like if you end that uh, that one quest in SS Law on Midgard Stormer's back. Like yeah. the way the quests are uh, laid out, you uh, do get all the ether currents as you're moving through the main scenario, and then the scene ends with you in midair on Midgard Stormer. And if you can't ride mounts, that doesn't work very well takes this entire dramatic moment and just kind of messes it up a little bit and then the final bit of news that we got was um the fact that they confirmed changes to the final fantasy 14 starter edition um they had announced that the free trial is getting upgraded to include everything through heaven's word this change will also be uh um, affect the owners of the starter edition of final fantasy 14 they will now get everything up through heaven's word as well no needing to have to purchase. So if you bought it a year ago, you still get it. That's pretty yes. cool. Mm -hmm. It is also it's for really... people that are still questioning the game. Like, look, if you are coming from a game where you have to have a different character to play a different job, yeah, who cares if you can get to sixty-five? Here, you can change weapons and change jobs. So you, if you play one character and you play every single job to level sixty, and you play through all of Heaven's Word. You're sitting on hundreds of hours of gameplay for free. Yeah. Probably That's into, a into, lot into the of thousands. Final Fantasy. Potentially into the thousands, depending on what you're all doing. Yeah, depending on if you level literally everything, play all of the story, do 
a third of the side quests and level up some of your crafting, you're still, you're easily going to hit a thousand yeah. hours. Because Sarah, I can't be the only one who's like plus 600 days of, of playtime. Oh, uh, let's see. Slash playtime. 850 days. So yeah, that's My thousands. other character was two and a half years old before I killed it and moved over to this one. So like I've got, I think mine's even, mine's less than that, but... Yeah, mine's only 118, but the other one was like 400 something. So, but still, if you think about it, those are 24 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. If we were considered, so if we think of it as eight hour days, as if it's a job that you're working, multiply by three, uh, that would be the equivalent of about seven years. Yeah. I wonder if that includes my 1.0 playtime. Oh, no, it's just because I've worked significant overtime in this scenario. <laughs> There's also something to be said for, like, right now, we're playing, sort of. Mm -hmm. Like, this is three well, hours. I, would say, I haven't looked at my screen until right now. I, I would bet that less than 10% less than of my time is idle. Yeah, there have been times where I've basically used it as a glorified chat room. But even then, I was, like, spending time with friends blowing off steam, wandering through some area or another, not really doing anything, just looking at the sites. Like, just because it is not quote-unquote productive time doesn't mean it's not time that you're spending in the world. I mean specifically yeah. AFK time. Right. But I mean, just like, you can have play stuff where that number is larger, where it's not just AFK time, but also just the, you're not necessarily doing much, but that's okay, because you don't have to be quote-unquote yeah. productive. I'm betting Aurori has hours like we do, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Aurori just chilling by a bell. Yep, you're there all the time. Yep, because that's what Aurori does. And, well, and I, I would hate, I would hate to ask what Frank's numbers are. <laughs> he is a fucking institution on our server. Yeah, people if, get worried if he's not there. Yeah, if he's not sitting uh, near the uh, etherite in uh, Limsa, there's there, people think there's issues. Yeah, he must be over a thousand days him sometime I, but yeah i, I, I really want to so. know i really want to know i mean over what over under on 1200 days uh it'll be less than that but he, not by a lot he's online right now which actually tells me nothing about whether he's actually at his computer but i'll go ahead and ask him yeah i'm, I'm dm him see what happens i'm actually on the over on that <laughs> anyway moving on um so yeah that's our final fantasy 14 uh or the majority of the news um did you guys end up taking off Tuesday to play the game? I can't. But... I mean, my schedule's in kind of a weird place where my hours are not really set. So technically, no, I'm working my full uh, set of hours this week, but effectively, yes. Mm. I will be <laughs> well, working... I'm going to have to go into the library for a few hours to manage the phone lines for some stuff, but otherwise, yes. Oh my god, Aurori. Aurori uh... wins. He said, is this a trap? <laughs> <laughs> okay, is it over 2,299 days, 4 hours, and 59 minutes? Uh, 2,193 days. Aurori wins. Yep, by 106 days. Wow. Aurori wins by basically the amount of time that I have played as this character. Yeah, I mean, you add me and lot. Sarah up, and we still don't get close to either one of them. You had all three of us up and we're not there. I think if we added uh, Pixie and or Chili, we might get close. Well, Chili's got a lot of hours too, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. That's anyway, what I'm saying <laughs> we love this game. Can you tell? All right. I mean, I have a tattoo. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of in. So, let's go ahead and jump into our discussion. Last episode, we did disc one of the Final Fantasy V soundtrack, and we we gave Sarah and Talas a lot of feels and a lot of memories. You did. It's a good game. Oh, damn it. Now we get into the second half. We are now going to uh, dig into the second disc, and this is where a lot of the music really starts to just get amazing. Let's jump right into it, shall we? Amazing in different ways, I'd say. But yes, let's get into it. We start with X-Death's castle. This is also that the barrier tower section. Um, and this the, is the, hey, you're dead. This is no ordinary dungeon. This is going to wreck you. I hope you have a lot of items. Fourth tower as well, I believe. Yes. Is it? Okay. According to the notes. Thank you, notes. Yeah, thank you for having notes because, boy, I remember some of this, but not all of it. It's just too much information for one human being. No, I know, and that's why I really appreciate We are continuing to utilize uh, FinalFantasy.Fandom.com uh, for their <laughs> amazing uh, gathering information here. Yeah, it definitely has this really big, imposing feel to it. Again, it's the it's a dungeon. But this yeah. is not the kind of dungeon that you can peace out from and come back to. This is the type of dungeon that if you hear this music, you turn around as soon as you walk in and spend every single gill you have on potions. Yeah, especially compared to like the ones from the mountain stuff we heard earlier, where there's like kind of that excitement of ascent. This one's not about excitement. This one's about being on your guard. Exactly. And it's it's not a a rise into adventure. This is the you might not leave. Next one. Very different ah, the feeling. Dawn Warriors. But yes, this is called the Dawn Warriors. Mobius Final Fantasy had a really awesome up-tempo remix of this uh, that they used in their Coliseum. It like, both the slower version and the faster version have a bit more of this fighting spirit feel to them. What's interesting to me is that according to the notes, this plays when the party visits Castle XF before Transformation. Ah, uh, that one, I believe, is because the visit before is when Gallup is infiltrating in order to spring the rest of the party. Yes. But and so you're basically playing as, like, a... You are the Dawn, you are the leader of, but you are the Dawn Warriors, and you kind of get your own theme song for being a rescuer in this particular moment. But Hilariously, it, it, my Gallop was on Thief the first time I did it, so it became more of an <laughs> infiltration mission. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> but the music still made it a good dramatic infiltration mission. Oh, God, yeah. But it, it seems <laughs> like a, if I listen to the two side by side, that you can really hear the influence that one has on the other. This is just kind of the major version where the other one's kind of more of the spoopy minor version. Gotta love those leap motifs. It, it's, it, it's beautiful the way that they tie these songs together. 
I love like the Dawn Warriors story that is part of the game where you get to be like, wait, there's another group of four highly skilled individuals that came together to be more than the sum of their parts. And you kind of look around. Go, go, Power go, Rangers. Huh, interesting. And then you have to continue moving on and go, there are other people that are just as powerful as us that are from the other world that can do all this stuff. We are literally a homeless guy with a chocobo, a pirate captain, a princess, and a dude we found. Like, <laughs> how powerful <laughs> are we really? Who turns out to be one of those four, but still. Oh, yes, uh, that we get. He is his... definitely no longer in his prime. No, no. Uh, the cards for Dawn Warriors in the TCG are all different elements, and they all play off each other. If you have X, Y gets powerful. If you have Y, Z gets powerful. If you have X, Y, and Z, this dude is just an unbreakable beast of a card. Oh, man, I kind of want to look those up. I'll, They're pretty I'll great. Show. All right. I think this uh, is the I'll song that... Sorry, go ahead. I'll mention that quickly. This is also the music used in the Phoenix Tower, uh, which kind of fits in with the whole, like, uh, I kind of like it as the idea of, like, the Dawn Warriors, kind of these heroes as, like, of the past. These, like, ones who've gotten older, who've uh, kind of settled in, kind of becoming reborn as this new force for a new era. Fair. That might be me reading too much into it, but I still like it. Do it anyway. It's worth it. I think this <laughs> next song is why most people tuned in. Every time. Me too. This is where we fight like men. And ladies, and ladies are dressed like men. I am resisting the urge to drum on my table so hard right now, I want you to know. Oh, I... Mean I... <laughs> every time I hear this song start, every version of it, my eyes go wide and I just grin ear to ear because I know that whatever is about to happen in whatever game it shows up in is going to be an absolute freaking party. Yes. And it's something that they keep bringing back in game after game, in part because Gilgamesh himself keeps making appearances. Being a wanderer of the dimensional rift helps with that, but it's also just a really good tune. Yeah, if you want to know more about Gilgamesh, you can go to phoenixnarrator.com. A while back, Sarah actually wrote an entire uh, Lorebrarians Extra on Gilgamesh. Oh uh, yeah, them wacky Mesopotamians. Was it the Mesopotamians? Uh, Babylonians? Yes, Babylonian, I think. That's the one. Uh, but this was, when it shows up in 14, I was playing uh, with my roommate, Ban, and he's not super familiar with the older games. And so when the music started, I immediately sat up on the couch and was just like, for all business, like ready to go. And he was like, you don't know what's happening. I'm like, I don't care. This is going to be awesome. The it's really amazing that it has so much of an impact because the melody itself is fairly simple. Like, it's a reasonably short loop, isn't it? It's yeah. a very short loop. However, the fight is absolutely bananas because the first time you hit him, you're like, okay, I'm a little, you know, about evenly matched. It was a nice mini boss fight. And then the second time you hear this song and you fight him, you throw every single thing you have. And he basically brushes the dust off his shoulder pad and says, okay. Like, this song is your 
it's simple and it's chill and it's pretty straightforward. You know what's happening, except that you don't know what's happening. Everything that can go wrong has. And then he comes at you with the most powerful weapon that he has ever found in the galaxy. It hits you for one damage. <laughs> this and is you far just from the pulse no powerful sword. What the fuck is going on for the whole fight? It's so much fun. He's such a goofball, too. He's like a really memorable character in that way. Like, you've got your standard X-Death. It's like, wahaha, I am the master of evil. And then Gilgamesh is just like, if not for the fact that he was working for X-Death, you could totally see, yeah, we're going to pummel each other and then we'll go for beers. Well, and that's... He, I mean, he's, he's designed to do that in this particular story, and we've seen it in a lot of... Uh, was it Wedge and Biggs have done it in a couple versions that they've shown up in. Um, Salt and Pippor and Chrono Cross have done it as well. There's lots of little characters that we're like, okay, we're going to put in a dude and it's going to be powerful and it's going to be annoying and it's going to test your battle skills. It's also going to be comic relief at the same time. But Gilgamesh worked really, really well on it. Like, I know all the ones you're talking about, and, like, Salt and Pepper in Chrono Cross, they were like, okay, but they just didn't land as well. But something no, about Gilgamesh landed perfectly. Exactly. Uh, w once, once he fell to the earth, because Enkidu can't support him, but yeah. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play FF5 if you haven't. It's a freaking awesome game. You fight him so many times as like, well. Three times? Four times? Some, and you can steal a separate piece of the Genji armor from him each time. I think two pieces in one of the battles, because there's a yes. mid-battle transition. Second to the last, yep. Mm, Genji armor. Anyway. Just a bang yes. tune. I mean, we could talk about Greg forever. Yeah. Say, we are 15 minutes in, and we've had three tracks. All yes. right. I'll also throw in that uh, for Japanese players, this one might also have some significance just because uh, Gilgamesh is, and the whole thing of fighting people on this big bridge ties back to a famous uh, legend about a warrior monk in Japanese history slash folklore, I guess I would say. Folklore. Yeah. History is a very weirdly used term in Japan. Yeah. And mythology is not quite the term I want, but yes, I think folklore about yes. a warrior numb to warrior monk named uh, Benkei, who a lot of the things of Gilgamesh, like challenging people to duels, stealing their weapons and like, is taken from elements of this. So it's kind of a fun blending together of all these cultural references that has even more impact for them. It's East meets West. Something like that. All right, next song. Is our second overworld theme. All right, this was uh, because this was a game where partway through Shock of Socks, we've gone through most of the world. Now we're going to a second world. Which this was a Super Famicom thing, because like we talked about when we were going through four, four three world maps. Yeah. Above ground, underground, and moon. This uh, does the two, but because it's based on, we, we find out very early that, hey, there's a second world, and that's where Galoop is from, whatever. Like, we know we're going to go there. It's very, very boldly put into the story. Hey, there's a second world. You will be there at some point if you're paying any amount of attention. Right. It's a nice tune, and though. That little bit right there is always super good. It definitely has a little bit more of, like, a pensive feel to it compared to the... Uh, Overworld theme of the first tune, which uh, Overworld tune of the first world, which has a bit more of like a feeling of like 
exploration of the like, hey, we're gonna have an adventure. This one's like, maybe we're getting a little deeper into weird unknown stuff here. Yeah, like, again, you have to look at Ferris, who's like, I abandoned my crew for an adventure. A and couple they, as, of weeks ago. Know, well, this is... to, as far as they know, they're not gonna be able to come back either. Yeah. yeah. This has been a hell of an adventure. And speaking of weird and unknown stuff. one referred to as Critter Tripper Fritter or something like that? I forget where the name comes from. Was this actually the first appearance of the Moogle theme in the Final Fantasy series? I thought, they, the I thought they had it in four. They didn't have... They had something in four. This is one of those, like, is this the first iteration? Well, which version of the iteration of the... <laughs> is it actually a... Because they called it A, and then there was a translate... Sure. You know what? Uh, <laughs> it's old enough Apparently, this yes. Point. This is the first uh, Mughal yeah. theme. Just looked it up. Composed by Nobuo Umetsu in 1992 for its first appearance in Final Fantasy V. Also known as Critter Tripper Fritter. That's the one! It's such a weird... Conglomeration of Thank words. you, FinalFantasy.Fandom.com. Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but man, how this change, this tune has changed over the years. I mean, we get it all the way to like in fourteen, we had Good King Mogulmog, and how it sounds so much like a um. Something out of Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. But I still it, remember being in a team that we just, we got stuck. We wiped completely. We were in like, a, it was a little like baby static that we found on Party Finder. And we've been sitting there for 40 minutes. And it was, we had the same revelation that everybody else did on day one, where we all just sat there and we were like, how the fuck do we do this? We started listening to the music for a minute. We'd like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the fact that we figured it out literally by being frustrated and sitting still for five minutes is the most Moogle thing ever. Do nothing yeah. and your problem will be solved somehow. It's funny that you mentioned that because this music wasn't just used for the Moogles. It was also used for stuff like the fight against Gogo, the Mimic, as well as the Magic Pot fights. Pretty much anything where it's like, there's something weird and wacky going on yep. here. So yeah, it wasn't initially just for Moogles, but um, it's kind of has it is for been sure. their, uh, their hallmark since. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Continuing on. You can tell this is a castle theme because it's very regal, trumpety sounding. To say they kind of hit that like, oh, it's got to be a castle. Grab the trumpet. But you must have like that kind of uh, that steady rhythm in like the uh, back of it. Like it's a militaristic. Well, this is um, the castle of dawn. Um, yeah. This is the. Uh, Castle Ball and Castle Sergei both use it. Two of the Dawn Warriors being kings. That's why this sounds familiar. It's, I actually have other stuff up, so I actually don't have the notes up, so I'm literally trying to dig in my brain for some of these words, and it's no not word. as well as I thought it would. How dare you not have show notes up? <laughs> I do, they're just under another page. You need but more yeah, monitors. It's got that, it's got that castle, uh, 
that uh, castle feel to it, the majesty of the Dawn Warriors. As I said, there's kind of that militaristic feel because, like, these are kings of the like, but they were warriors first. All right, next song, we kind of go, go into a totally different direction. We go beyond the deep blue sea. Yeah, you get a pretty wide variety of vehicles in this one. I think one of your airships can turn into a submarine, it was. Yes. This is the underwater theme. Which ends up looking First like you're driving around in an airship, except it's underwater, but... Not for nothing. <laughs> I mean, you played 14, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. But you, you, you encounter magic ninja turtles there, too? God, I wish. Maybe. <sighs> Rob yeah. hacking community, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there a lot of exploration underwater? Really? Not a lot. Yeah, there's like a couple specific places you go to, but there's not really a lot of free exploration. They just needed the something to fill is, in. The exploration is, I got lost, and so you see more of the map. It's... Or if you it's just a get in, get out thing. want to also, see everything. I think there's like an Easter Island head hidden somewhere in the map just because that's the thing the programmers do. Fair enough. Programmers put weird stuff in games? Nah. <laughs> All right, so we go from the deep blue to the deep forest. Or specifically the great forest of Moor, the legend of the deep forest. Yeah, this is where you're delving into the forest of more uh, trying to find the tree that's kind of like X-Death's origin. This is another one of those ones that fits in a little bit better with uh, Japanese culture, where you have the idea of like, at shrines you might have a tree that's weak for purification, where things will be wrapped around it, and like, evil spirits will be sealed within it to be purified, stuff like that. God trees. When I think of the Final Fantasy V soundtrack, I think of Ahead on Our Way, I think of Battle on the Big Bridge, and the third song I think of is this. It makes me think a little bit of, not because of the, uh, the music is the same, but just the feel that it gives. The Sanctuary of Zitala in uh, FF11, where this feel of like, here is this ancient primeval space that also has like this kind of air of like, mystical and almost holiness to it. Yeah, but it's not quite like, a, a, of a banger like uh, Zeta is. No, sure. But it kind of has a feel like this is not a space for people. It's a really pretty song, though. <clears throat> Alright, so going ahead to moving on. There's got to be a dance. <laughs> ah, yes, this would be after your unexpected uh, return to the first world of sorts. Sort of. Uh, when you return to Castle Tycoon, they are, of course, overjoyed to see uh, Princess Lena return, as well as the long-lost Princess Sarissa. And so, of course, we have a big to-do. Castle Tycoon is having a celebration. And it's not a dance oh. without a waltz. I mean, I guess it could be like a tango or something. 
Oh yeah, if you're talking about uh, like formal ball dancing type stuff, waltzes are the thing that comes to mind. I think Uematsu just likes making a waltz for every game. Like waltzes feel inherently fancy. You're inherently fancy. I am. Thank you. Lord. Pinky extended and everything. Oh. All right. Oh. Next theme is a little bit more fun. Uh, oops. What we do that? One of my favorite songs. So you think at first this is just your basic chocobo theme, but it's not quite. This is Boko's theme. Yeah, because there's chocobos and then there's Boko. Boko there's is the Boko best choco. <laughs> Boko, of course, being Bart's own personal chocobo. Boko-san! I know I mentioned before uh, that ended up being the name of my MR2. I mean, I thought about naming my car Boko at various points. Well, my Bannon got me a license plate frame that said my other car is a Chocobo. <laughs> and it has two Chocobos on either side of the frame plate. And I installed it, and then I was like, okay, well, eventually I'll get my actual license plate. And when my actual license plate came, my license plate number for the MR2 was BOKO332. So my license plate was Boko-san. Nice. <laughs> but it's Boko-san-san-ni, so my actual name was Boko-san. All right. Gotta love Boko. Boko. No Choco we have in the chat. Love it. <laughs> and that was that's a tune that you might end up hearing a lot of, because I do recall there's a side quest to ride around the entirety of the World 3 map on a chocobo. On a Not black, a black chocobo. chocobo. Or was it the yellow one? Because you actually have to find the path through the whole. Yes, because thing. all those various island chains from the two worlds just happen to line up because those two worlds were originally one. Ah, good times. All right, next song. Speaking of the two worlds that were originally one. Ah, uh, yes. We have a new world. Kind of literally in this <laughs> Which they also took the name of this song and applied that to their smaller orchestral uh, concert series, A New World yep. Final Fantasy. Yep. Now, in the backstory of Final Fantasy V, this is how the world actually had been a thousand years ago. So technically uh, this should be called an old world. So yes, there. But I mean, everyone who knew that world is long gone, of course. So it's new to you. Uh, the sorcerer and Nuo uh, had been uh, using the power of the void to wreak devastation, and uh, one of the things they did was split the crystals into two, which split the worlds into two, and then seal uh, Nuo and the uh, void in the rift between those two worlds. So this is what you get to listen to when you're running around this new merged world. Next. Oh. What's it this one about, like, Sarah? It sounds like 
ancient secrets. And what it actually is, it's called Sealed Book. Uh, you do hear it the, for the first time at the Library of the Ancients when the sealed tome is read. And whenever you visit a, a tablet chamber or the inner chamber of the sealed castle, the uh, locations that the sealed tome is sealed, you get to hear that as well. So this is a, a song of long buried treasures, of stuff from that ancient world. The 12 weapons sealed by the tome were the weapons used by those who defeated the original sorcerer Enuo, and then were sealed away for a future uh, threat. And I think you, uh, again, keeping with the whole heavy focus on the four elements in this game, each of the uh, the seal tome seals three different locations, or four different locations, each of which is associated with one of the elements. How convenient. Yep. The four elements, again and again, is like a central theme of it. All right, and our next song... The Slumber of Ancient Earth. So, like, this is not a specific to a dungeon. This is specific to all of the kind of Earth-themed areas that you end up going to. So you see it in Jackal Cave, you see it at the Pyramid of Moor, and there's also the Desert of Shifting Sands. Um, so anything that's kind of that sand, dirt, trying to lean in hard into the four elements, because uh, it's it's five, right? Like there's like the four elemental crystals are a huge part of the story. So they wanted to have sort of a song for each one. Um, like we heard earlier, there was the one that was um, Deep Blue Sea, which wasn't really thematic to a dungeon, but it was still very aquatic. Uh, Legend of the Deep Forest kind of feels green, if that makes any sense. This definitely feels like an Earth. Yeah. That, I little, like that little bit of cord that goes in there just really sinks it in. I do like to point out that you mentioned it's the Pyramid of Moor, which is the same name as, like, the Great Forest of uh, Moor. And this isn't because someone was just going around named it. This is because when the worlds get overlaid, the Desert of Shifting Sands overlays partially onto the Great Forest. So you have this force surrounding this desert. Like yeah, that is really weird when you... Because in SNES graphics, like, we only had so many tiles. So, like, every once in a while, you just show up and shit's really strange. Yeah. Some stuff like this lined up nicely. There's a cave uh, that ends up being placed underneath the castle of Ball, such that if you go into that cave, you can get into the locked basement. I believe that's where you fight Odin. But they really took advantage of the two split worlds and having them combine in interesting and unexpected ways. That's actually pretty clever. Mm -hmm. Our next song is Prelude to the Void. Ooh, FF14 players probably recognize this one. Oh yeah. 
those initial bits sound almost technological, which given the rest of the state of the game, uh, really helps add to that otherworldly feel of it, given they've had kind of a medieval-ish setting throughout. Yeah, this song plays when the party walks through the interdimensional void. All sorts of fragments of little worlds that you move through there, rapidly shifting from library shelves to a waterfall, cave systems. The entire place is a mishmash of little bits of landscape that have been caught up in the uh, interdimensional rift. It just really has an interesting feel to it. Hmm. You know, you're moving towards the final confrontation, but this doesn't feel like that. This still feels like an exploration song. Well, we're getting closer, though. As we make our way through the interdimensional rift, this plays on the last floor. Searching for the light at the end of the tunnel, this song is aptly called In Search of Light. Yeah, this is the one where you've worked your way through most of the rift. You know that you're getting to the deepest parts. The big confrontation is coming. It's starting you're to just... seem, you're starting to see less of the stuff that makes you feel like you're on an adventure and more of the stuff that feels like you need to have all of your weapons ready at a moment's notice. Deal yourself, the conflict is upon you. Or something like that. Until we get to... The Decisive Battle. I think that's another one that uh, Delta Escape Raiders are familiar with at this point. Those drums. God, those drums. Good lord. For MIDI based, they have a lot of feel. Yes. This plays during any battle against X-Death and the bosses in the Sealed Temple. The Sealed Temple being uh, bonus content from the remake, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now we get to the bit that I really like. Oh, must be a shift change. Or phase <laughs> change. Yeah, you've again got some of those motifs of X-Death's theme, but punched up a bit in, like, this kind of weird, mind-bending battlefield. Now, this is one of the longer songs in the game. This one's four and a half minutes. So, yeah, most songs in this in this game are really short. Like, and New still World is really, two minutes, Sealed Book is two minutes, give or take. I suppose for what we would consider to be longer shorts, yeah, they're shorter. But I mean, for this time frame, you know, having a two, uh, an average um, length of about minute and a half, two minutes, that's significant, actually. 
that's it. That I don't know if it's intended to be a flute, but whatever it is, it gives it again another kind of nice otherworldly thing to highlight the nature of the enemy that we're fighting here. I mean, dude is an agglomeration of evil spirits in a sacred tree that managed to achieve sentience and start doing its own thing. This is weird bit. Welcome God, to Final Fantasy. I was gonna say, like, that's one of those, like, when you're describing Final Fantasy, you come up with a very interesting list of words and put them together, and somehow, that's true. Yep. I think it is. Oh, threw... this is an evil tree full of spirits that gain sentience. Sure, that's fine, but that's not actually that weird, honestly. They, they threw and darts. Then it became a, then it became a warlock that wants to seize the power of the void to destroy things. Yep. I think what they did was they, they threw darts at a bunch of words on a, on a on a board, and then whatever they hit, they're like, challenge accepted. I mean, it's something that makes a little more sense for the Japanese culture. You already have the idea of like, hey, you have these trees that you seal evil spirits in. Yeah, so on that- So you got like this, this symbol of life, uh, this symbol of like holiness, something that if you're talking about the combination of the four elements, you often have this whole idea of like life as being something that comes when the four elements come together. Right. And then you start basing something off of that. You're absolutely right. Like I said, you know, for the Western audience, it's a very different thing, but for- Oh yeah, weird as fuck. Yeah, for, for, for the Japanese and Eastern audiences, it's like, okay, they're, they're delving in more into their, their culture, so. That's a, I can appreciate yeah, I wonder it. If, I wonder if stuff like that is at least part of why it didn't get brought over. I know they also thought it would be too challenging with the job system for American audiences, but I do wonder if the cultural things also played a factor. Not you know, sure. Um, talking to the people that worked at Nintendo that were doing translation in the 90s, they said that they asked for everything that they had contracts with and just Japanese companies just would not send them stuff and would not give them a reason why. So when they did get things from Japan, sometimes they'd get it and they'd go, cool, and they'd translate it and they'd work on it and it would hit the ground and be trash. And they'd put tons of effort and money into it and it didn't go anywhere. And then sometimes they'd get stuff and they'd go, we put all this effort and money into it and it exploded and we weren't really expecting that. Now we have to deal with it. Final Fantasy IV exploded, did really, really well. When the first Pokemon games came over to Nintendo, they literally had a staff meeting, and the result of the staff meeting was, oh, God, we're just throwing money away now, aren't we? <laughs> That's how bad it was when they were getting games in the 90s. They were just looking at them like, this isn't going to work. It just won't. And they just got so frustrated with some of the stuff they were getting. So 5, I mean, if 5 hit a meeting and somebody powerful enough said no, remember, it was like a... 51% vote to have Pokemon made in the West. Makes sense. Like, it was real tough to get stuff in the 90s. And now Fortunately, you know. we have, like, two decades plus of cross-cultural exchange that makes us a little better now. We and... have planes and trains and cars. Yep. <laughs> now you know the rest of the story. Good day. Wait, no, not good day. We got Wait, a bit no, more there's here. more show. No, exactly. We have more show. <laughs> I know. Anyway, Come so back. we have the decisive battle, but that's not the final battle. This is... Guess when this song plays? So yes, our already uh, evil warlock tree loses control of the power of the void gets pulled into it and comes back as this 
even weirder. I'm, I keep using the word agglomeration, but I don't really have a better word for it. The Neo X Death is what he ends up being. And yes. it's, I mean, okay, for anybody that's ever read or studied any form of Journey to the West, you know that the antagonist has to fall, rise again, and be defeated again. That's just how the trope works. And this is that second rise. This is that comeback. This is that you have defeated me. You have celebrated. I am breaking that celebration because now I have returned with a thing that you didn't know I was going to have. And they come back. He comes back as Neo X Death. He comes back with the power of the void, not as a weapon, but as an all consuming power. And you're like, cool, this girl has cat ears on her hood. Um, <laughs> we got this, I think. <laughs> you have to you have to figure it out. You get to teach us that like it's no longer just about I will use the void to dominate the world, it's I will return everything to nothingness. It is you get the void has dominated me and now stuff is happening. And we have a kid, a cat girl, a pirate, and a homeless guy. Welcome to Final Fantasy, y'all. Let's do this. Everybody's cross-leveled and paladin and monk. We don't have to do anything. We're gonna win anyway. Some of us used other methods. Oh, there's definitely scholar's definitely the better method, but it's still fun. <sighs> Dual wield blade blitz, a spell blade. Oh, the one, the one so broken that it became Barks's experts in the city. It is so broken that yeah. Dissidia and Duodecim both have it just like, hey, we're gonna show off the stupid stuff we do. Yep. But yeah, like, you have the bits of X that you can see, he actually looks more like a tree at this point. All sorts of weird forms swirling about him. Regular messages about a battle status saying that the laws of physics are being broken. Like, menu-based? So, like, this isn't, like, if this was a like the 7 remake, right, where we could roll and move and dodge. Um, if they tried to do that for this fight for a remake of 5, it would literally just be a randomized game physics as part of the fight mechanics. would probably be a thing they did. All of a sudden, gravity reverses in this weird bit. For some reason, when you move to this bit, you move halfway across the battlefield and facing 90 degrees to the left, and you don't even know why. The world is just broken here. The void is leaking through and messing up everything. And you're standing there with a blue vest and a chicken knife. This is not how we saw our adventure going. But what an adventure it's been, Phoenix huh? down to Lena, you're just going, hey, remember that time that we were grinding and it was awesome? We should do that again. That was fun. <laughs> the wyverns, the wyverns were great. Remember when Galoof was here? Remember when Boko was here? That was awesome. What's happening right now as you get hit in the face with Void Lightning? Yeah, I mean, this is a game about people who are just on an adventure and exploring and got caught up in something bigger. But eventually, you prevail. And you hear this. Because even after that victory, you're still out in the dimensional rift, the farthest reaches. 
you're as close to the void as you can get. And the last person that got closer than you, you just fought. Much like when they went from the first world to the second, there's some amount of, we didn't really plan about how we're going to get out of here, did we? Predation is not something that they hit in advance. It is definitely something that they hit when they realized that their exit strategy was, we were probably going to die. We saw ourselves doing something more, and then they did. The song is called The Silent Beyond, uh, Seijaku no Kanata, and it is is the ending scene. It is the One final part. part of the it's it's the non it's the first part of part the of it. Scene. It's not the credits, but it's yeah, one of the last chunks of dialogue that you go through. They also encounter the Dawn Warriors at this point, all of whom have passed away in the story. So this mm -hmm. is like some kind of like spiritual remnant of them uh, in the interdimensional rift. That is a good story element that I will bite on every single time of it's the end or it's the very beginning of someone's chapter and they get to see every single person that is going to affect or has affected their path that's dead. They get to meet those people and they get to have a final word with them before moving forward with their own narrative that is their focus. This little bit of the song is kind of like a little more hopeful thing. Like, this is the light in the darkness here. And so... God, that sounds so cool. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> There's so many pieces to this. Yeah. I mean, so the Dawn Warriors, as their last act, they help the new Warriors of Light and get, uh, like, they send them back to the world. We also get to talk to the Dawn Warriors, but it's also the four of us. And we get to talk to each of them in turn say, hey, you know, I'm Bartheim, the de facto leader. Thank you for helping us. It's like, I am Ferris. I didn't have a memory. I had something I thought was doing. Thank you for what you've done. Galoof talking to his granddaughter. Like, thank you for taking over. Thank you for protecting the world, even though I no longer could. Like, those pieces of dialogue and those exchanges, whether they're in text or not, there are points where you literally just have all the characters on screen that you've been interacting with for the last 25 to 50 hours. And you know these people. And you have this music playing in the background that's ebbing and flowing. And it's a very powerful scene. One thing I will note is that this was also the first uh, Final Fantasy, the first Final Fantasy game where there were kind of like little variations you could get in the ending. Because uh, when those Dawn Warriors are sending the Warriors of Light back, some of them may not quite make it back. It was an interesting mechanic. Anyone who was dead at the end of the uh, final battle, they're too exhausted and they can flip away into the rift. Which comes up a bit during the next piece, which I think we can move to. Yeah. Fine.
this is another one where the title has been used for a lot of things uh, yes. in later concerts and the like. This was the, they used this name for the what now became Distant Worlds. Dear Friends. Dear friends. Yep. This is the, again, when I think of the FF5 soundtrack, this is the fourth song I think of. And as this is playing, you have usually trial, usually, writing a letter, I forget to whom, uh, talking about like everything that's happened since they came back. This is also, you can kind of hear Home Sweet Home a little bit in this song. You can hear a little bit of the chord progression from it. letter of course changes up a bit depending on who came back from the rift and who didn't. I believe if Kryle's not there, Barks is the one who writes it. I'm not sure of the priority order after that. I want to say Lena. I'll tell you this, I'm not gonna save state and kill random people to find out for you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious though? Come on. I mean, I'm honest, I'm thinking about it. That's why I had to say it. It was more for my benefit to make do sure it that I don't actually science. do that. science! I just, I just found a guide that talks about the variations of it based on who manages to escape uh, and what happens and all that. Is it from finalfantasy.fandom.com? Uh, no, it's on Game Packs. Oh. That was more of a joke, but... So, yes. As the four heroes talk about the victory, uh, you the Wind Drake is summoned. It flies down to pick up the heroes, but anyone who was dead at the end of the battle doesn't have enough strength to ride you and slips into the void. Well, uh, okay, so the song is actually um, titled uh, Shinai Naru Tomoe. Tomoe is to a friend, to my friends. It is an, an addressing to that. So this song is literally, I'm writing a letter to my friend. Not my and dear friends, but dear friends comma yeah, dear comma yeah the letter actually appears to be written to sid because the scene starts with mid entering sid's laugh showing in the letter uh if everyone lives then Kryle writes it but otherwise if anyone was lost priori is bart then lena then ferris then Kryle. And uh, details a little bit about what happened, and of course the scene changes up depending on who did or did it escape. Granted, of course, at least one person has to escape. Oh yeah. I mean, who's gonna write the letter otherwise? There, you, you see him writing it in the rift. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I bet if I throw it real hard, it'll get there. Oh. And so, after detailing all that, as Sid finishes the letter, he thinks about the party members, has flashbacks, again, depending on uh, who survived and who didn't. And then it brings us to some final scenes at the Master Tree, uh, that central tree in the heart of uh, the Forest of Moor, the one where Galuth, uh stood against Exdeath and laid down his life. And depending on who uh, makes it or who didn't, uh, they lay down an offering of flowers for Galuth. 
And if anyone didn't make it out, in the distance, Gallus' voice is heard. Flowers grow and beams of light shine down, and those who did not escape float down from that. And the four kind of band together as a, now that with the Warriors of Dawn gone, now they're the ones who are going to be protecting and maintaining the world. It's a really nice little ending. And again, the fact that they changed up those elements based on that thing, I think was the first time that happened in a Final Fantasy game. I think you're right. Oh, and there's that traditional tune. This is such a strange version of this song. I like it, though. Also, I don't know if Pyrocats is in the chat, but I might need to borrow your zither and learn to play this song on it, because that, <laughs> that would be super fun. And now you got the deep brass. Pyro's cool with it. Sweet. I know where they live now. <laughs> Yeah, this definitely feels a little more strings. I want to say, like, the usual Fall Fantasy gift is a little more, like, brass-heavy. Yes, it's woodwind-heavy, yeah. Woodwind, yeah, that's cool. And, I mean, you still have that we've got a bit more of the strings here. Well, but the the theme is played by uh, baritone, which is brass. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yep. Like, it's still very clearly recognizably the theme. It just feels like there's a little bit of a different balance of instruments from usual. Welcome to five. Everything is balanced a little bit differently. <laughs> now the flutes Gorgeous kick in. As they do it. And all this was done in 16-bit MIDI. It's all done in 16-bit MIDI. This was all done in, what, 1994? Yeah. Like, this, I mean, this game is, up, like, mechanically, there's a lot of really broken things that they kind of missed. Uh, there's, But it was, there's translation patches, there's GBA versions, there's a remake on the PlayStation Network that you can play on Vita, PSP, or PS3 if you have it. Steam versions. It's, there's a Mobile Steam version. Versions. There's an iOS version. And there's so many ways to play this that don't necessarily mean that you have to sit for 400 hours and grind. There's either streams of it, of speedrunners, every single year doing this game for charity. And now they got a xylophone in there. Just, you can watch it, you can enjoy playing it yourselves, or you can just message us on Discord and we will happily wax poetic about five for absolutely years. I do like how, like, if you ever go through one of these scenes with, like, the sound analysis thing, there are so many notes that aren't played, but that they give you the suggestion of, and your brain fills in the details. Human brains are awesome. You can suggest almost anything to them, and they'll probably believe it if you do it right. We are really overtuned for pattern matching, which is a great survival thing in a lot of cases. <laughs> it's also really silly, because you can... There's thought of like, well, why should I go skydiving when I could just put earplugs in, blindfold myself, and have sound patterns blown into my ears and think I'm skydiving. And it weirdly works. And it sometimes works. It's very strange. Yeah, as Nick Nar said, this came out at the very, very end of uh, 1992 in Japan. 
so it came out. Yeah. Good God, 92. My roommate was a year and a half old. All right. But we're not quite done yet with our soundtrack, are we? No, we're not. not. We do have one more theme in the game that, well, for the ending. Credits got to roll sometime. And there must be a lot of credits because this is an eight minute song. Uh, yes, there's a ton. Plus it has some like zooming all over the world and other things like that, riding on the back of a wind drake. Yep, but we have so many pieces that move. And when you look at, if you look at the like, sprites from FF1, there's six classes and there's, you know, standing, kneeling, dead. That's about it. You get into the SNES versions and we have standing, kneeling, dead, uh, turned back, turned left, turned right, uh, left kneel, right kneel, shocked, surprised, jump, uh, jump is just moving. It slowly moved the whole sprite up and down. But there's lots of little versions of the sprites. Instead of having four to five patterns that we need, we had something like 12. And we have five characters. And every character has a metric crap load of jobs. That's a lot of shit. That's a lot of programmers. It's a lot of artists. And the credits are long for a reason. And you can see the samurai looks very consistent across all five characters. And yeah, the mage knight like looks yeah, the mage knight looks consistent. The black mage looks consistent. But the black mage looks very different than the time mage. Because they had slightly different they had different designers, but they had to be similar but uniquely different. But also have five characters. But also two of the characters are female. But also there's a third female character that has cat ears. Also a lot of also, this is just the graphics. You also need to have people who actually work out all of the uh, the mechanic details and how the numbers should be and about what balances out reasonably and what kind of weaponry you want to have and what special effects you have and how badly does this break the game and is it the right kind of breaking the game? And about what about the people who designed the overworld? And there's not just one world. There's three. Yeah, you yeah. got your map makers, you got your scenario designers, so the ones who are actually writing out the plotline here, both the big story beats and those like little moments of comic relief or little side things. And then there was the one dude that had to make sure that you could learn to play the piano in here somehow. <laughs> like, there's so much cool shit in this game. That's I am so impressed at how many people worked on it and how good it is. 30 years later. But then there's one guy who did all the music. And I think there's some people who helped with the engineering of it. But yes. <sighs> and of course, there's different uh, bits to this ending theme. Different feelings as you proceed through. Now we're in a totally different area than we were. Not flying on the Drake anymore, apparently. This is that uh, end of the musical protagonist singing three lines from each song recap form. Yeah, I think the uh, ending scene includes stuff like the crystals reforming in each of their sanctuaries, among other things. Like this kind of feel of the world is healing. Now we got There's a totally different feeling now. I want to say this is when Ferris is coming back to the pirates. 
Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> and they're like, whoa! What are you doing back, boss? And it's like, <laughs> what do you mean, what am I doing back? I told you I'd be back. It's like, also, I'm one of the guardians of the world. But the, that's not important right what? now. We got ships to loot. Let's go! <laughs> we might just want to listen to all the different beats off of this song. Yes, it's eight minutes, but it's pretty important eight minutes. Yeah, now oh, we have another there's one. That, there's that leap motif. I think this is, they must be visiting a castle. Well, that's like that uh, World uh, 1 map thing, like... This hmm. might be Bart's doing something, I'm not sure it's been a while. And unfortunately, they didn't write everything down in the notes here, so sorry. Ah, I should have been running the video simultaneously so I could watch it. Oh well. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's still really good. I love how they end up doing all of these. Yeah, I'm reminded of Final Fantasy VI as well, where there's like a, at the end, like as Tyler said, we're gonna kind of like sum up everything you did. Let's go on a quick memory lane of all the ups and downs we had. Through music. Through the power of music, we will remember trees and space and a wind <laughs> trike and a pirate ship and standing in the back row and throwing rods at things and being eaten alive by a book because I was level 15. Oh, I finally found what 750 and those 750 runs, why they're called that. Oh, <laughs> uh, for the four-job fiesta, one of the special conditions you can choose is either a 750 run or a no 750 run. And that has to do with the rods that you can purchase and break as items to get uh, high-level spell casts cost 700 gil. Yes. It's... If you're doing a standard speed run, all things open, you grab Blue Mage, throw medium armor on, stand in the back row, buy a bunch of rods, and then huck fire three at everything. Run from everything that's your level, get into a fight that you can't win, win anyway, leveled up twice in every fight. It's a cool little system, but it definitely is not in uh, the way it was originally designed. Yep. So, you can, uh, for a challenge thing, I, I forget if 750 no 750 refers to the jobs or to the actual use of rods. I think it's use of rods because it's um, any mage job can use a rod break fire ice thunder cast. So you can do it with blue mage, you can do it with white mage actually, which is really fun if you're playing a uh, four job and get stuck with white mage as your first crystal job. Um, but you, you can do it with any mage type, but it does base it off your intelligence stat. So like while you can do it with a white mage, it's not the best versus like a blue or a black or a time, because they're going to have the higher int stat. And yeah, I just checked the four job fiesta page. It's jobs that can break rods or jobs that are similar in playstyle and theme. So they throw in a couple that can't break rods, but are still kind of mingy-ish. It's, it's like Nuzlocke Run. It's like, well, you can just Pokemon faint and you release them, or you can do first route catch, or you can do no items, or you, like, you can make it more, more or less difficult depending on how chaotic you're really feeling. <laughs> Oh, and we're cut swelling to the triumphant conclusion.
worth it. <sighs> now that covers video a game soundtracks go from whatever the hell Qbert was <laughs> to this in like <laughs> ten years. Yeah, People eleven. I think. So incredible what we've pulled off. Like, if I have learned anything just from, like, the classes I was teaching at the library this last week, you put tools in front of people, you give them enough time, they will start making art. It's kind of what people do. I mean, the, the what is it, thousand, hundred, thousand monkeys, thousand typewriters, like, well, actually, that's not untrue. Like, if you give somebody a thing they don't know how to do and leave them alone with it long enough, eventually through one reason or another, they will pick it up. And the chances of them making something artistic, musical, creative with it is very, 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 very high. And it's even that because the Thousand Monkeys, Thousand Typewriters assumes that they're just plunking randomly throughout. In reality, those monkeys, metaphorically or not, are yeah. going to start noticing patterns about what works and be like, oh, this and this go together. Like, it happens a lot faster than you think. It's amazing. It happens way faster. I mean, you look at any, okay, studying pedagogical theory, like you look at kids that you're teaching something. You've taught um, kids of multiple age groups as well. Mm -hmm. You throw, you teach a kid to read a book, and you read that book to that kid, and a month later they ask you to read it again, and two months later they're reading it to you. Pretty yeah. straight, and that's, literally with only three or four interactions, the kid working on their own on that book without your presence, that's the thing that we kind of seem to forget about as teachers. Like we don't think they're learning if we're not in front of them. No, no. All we have to do is nudge them at stuff and let human ingenuity take over. And my human God, the potential is insane. Human ingenuity and human boredom. The power of <laughs> boredom gets people to try a lot of things they wouldn't do otherwise. I'm not saying my black mage is 51, but I am saying that I could get threw away a lot of gear the other day. <laughs> like, oh. we try all kinds of stuff after a while. We're not quite done with the soundtrack, because I think there's a couple last little fun bits in there. There's some fun there? bits, and I'm really excited about the last, what is that? Uh, eight. eight tracks? Yeah. Alright, lay them on, Klaus. This one's familiar. Never heard it before. <laughs> no idea what this is. Sounds made up. <laughs> this plays after the credit roll. We haven't already said. It's good. It's a classic for a reason. 10 out of 10. Yeah, definitely would play this song again. Okay, we'll play it again. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's a loop. You can just let it ride. It'll be all right. All right, so the next bit is actually one of the uh, um, little ditties that uh, plays when you get items. Key items. I have unlocked the cool thing. The cool thing opens the next zone. And this one plays... When Galoof regains his memory. You got an even more cool thing. I am a Dawn Warrior and the leader of another planet that rode an asteroid into battle. Also, I may have said some <laughs> embarrassing things earlier. Yeah, it's... Dude, Galoof is great. This one is maybe a little shady. 
classical music. Culture. But it's played when Bartz approaches any group of dancers for a private dance. Oh, oh my. Oh my. There Indeed. It is. <laughs> oh God. But yes, that that is a, a remix of Carmen. But yes, now we get into the piano lessons as as Talos was talking about. Uh, <laughs> These are my the favorite eight tracks in the whole soundtrack. Yes, Not gonna lie. There are eight different pianos throughout the world, and in whatever order you find them, each time you play one, Bart get, Bart's gets a little better at playing the piano. It is unclear why he has to find new pianos to get any better. Maybe he's got some kind of weird learning disability. I don't know. This is actually how you unlock some really nice Bard songs. And this is how he starts. You've got the metronome, you've got the halting tapping, missing a key there. It's, I mean, I learned to play jazz when I was, the brief moment that I thought I was going to be able to learn to play piano, I was learning jazz. So like, yeah, I was just kind of <laughs> rolling across the keys anyway. So even if it sounded okay, it was still going to be bad. The second time he plays a piano. There's that metronome. Yay! Piano flex! He managed to scale up and down, and for the most part, he just kept going. That's improvement! It, it is, is improvement. And every time you learn to play the piano, well, you attempt slash do play the piano, you stand up and you actually do this, like, big, hulking 1990s Arnold Schwarzenegger big ol' flex move for no <laughs> reason other than it's funny. So the piano flex is real if you've played this game. <laughs> The third piano. I... Doing a little bit more complex scale there. Mm -hmm. And it's not flawless, but that's okay. The important thing is that you keep playing. Yep. And next time he plays... I love that moment of pausing to wind up the metronome and get it going a bit faster. It's like, wait, I think I've got this. Let's try something a little harder. Yeah, and he pulls it. He actually pulls it down too. It's a cool little animation they added in. <laughs> you know, for yeah, only this playing... is the first time that you get a bard song. It's the fifth piano lesson. Okay, so you want... I was going to talk about the fourth one. He was just, he's getting the the what? he's get, getting the basics down. He understands the ups and the downs, and he's feeling more confident. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's not getting, he's got the basics down. Like, he is doing those scales smoothly. It's not just a single run up the thing. It's like a full-on pattern. It's like, okay, you've got your fingers flexed out. You've gotten used to the motions. You know how, you have a good idea about how to hit the notes. Now it's getting used to actual songs. Like? 
Almost. <laughs> Close. Yeah. Close. Yeah. The little tune played there is Schubert's Marsh Militaire number one. Now, one wonders how that managed to make its way into the Final Fantasy V world. Well, same for most of these songs, but yeah, still not necessarily too complicated, but it's like that was a pleasant little tune. He had the tempo right, he kept everything consistent, missed that last note at the end, but competent work. You know, for playing five times. <laughs> Sixth time. Beautiful dreamer, wake unto thee. I used to know the rest of the words to that. Okay, so there's a version of that that actually plays at a train station in Japan, and I don't remember which one. <laughs> Every train station has a unique tune at it, and a lot of them were songs that already existed, but I was like, wait, I've never heard this song. Oh, God, I've heard this song, and it's at a train station over a loudspeaker. <laughs> well, at least it's not oh, James no May Sumimasen. That's a good song, though. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was such a good song. <laughs> if you have not seen James May, uh, Our Man in Our Japan, Man in Japan, go which I watch it. The week before I moved to Nagasaki, by the way, which was a very strange experience. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have it, go watch it. It's Got amazing. It. I mean, I was tempted to start busting out Train Roll here, but I guess we can save that for another time. All right. The seventh song he learned, or the seventh time he plays the piano. That's quite an improvement. Yeah, That's an if, upgrade. They, if they wanted it to go for a bit longer, they could have had a lot more going. Like, he's got high speed going. He's got that little twiddle going. It sounds great. Yeah. Marks has really gotten a handle on the piano. I mean, playing Mozart? After yeah. only playing seven times? He's a quick study, apparently. This is what it takes to be a wanderer. And finally, if you find the last piano... Play a little Debussy. It's a lot. That's a very complex tune for somebody that's been here for a short amount of time. So, yeah. Arslan's found, apparently. Though I like to imagine that if you got Bard unlocked, that every song he's just, like, drumming on a harp, or there's, like, things that you can, as portable instruments that have some of the elements of a keyboard. So that oh, yeah. is disc two of Final Fantasy V. <sighs> We've gotten through five games now in seven weeks. <laughs> yep. They are just getting more and more complex. You're getting e even more emotion worked into them. I mean, the early ones certainly had that, but there's lots of stuff we can pick out where this is supporting this element of the plot. This is giving this feel of the environment. It's definitely something that's becoming more and more complex while still working in those super simple formats. So, so yes, stuff. when we continue on with this, we will be doing Final Fantasy VI. However, I have a sneaking suspicion that... Uh, patch 5.3 is going to uh, trumpet a little bit, so we will we end up... We might be ever so slightly distracted. Yep, so we may end up waiting a couple of episodes until we continue on with this, depending on how much there is to talk about, so... But we... That being said, um, 
we are a Final Fantasy podcast, not exclusively Final Fantasy 14, but we are we live in Eorzea, as you can see if you're watching on Twitch or on YouTube. Uh, we do love Final Fantasy 14 a ton, in case you hadn't somehow figured that out by this point. So we do have a lot of very heavy emphasis on 14, but we are fundamentally a Final Fantasy podcast, and there's a lot of other stuff going on outside of Eorzea. So... If you are super interested in the music and stuff, we are definitely going to keep doing that. Absolutely. Um, it's just, we've got a very big patch that we've waited about five months for at this point, I think six we, months. I want to say it's been an eight month on uh, patch 5.2. Yeah. yeah. It's That's been a very long time. So we've gotten a little bored. <laughs> and we're going to go a little hard into Final Fantasy XIV for just a bit. So Several cutscenes may play in sequence. Sequence. Please allocate significant time to view these cutscenes. <laughs> and have plenty of uh, so popcorn available. <laughs> if you follow us on Twitter um, at PHXDN Radio, just note that we're going to have a lot about fourteen for the next little bit. But don't worry. We haven't forgotten about the rest of the amazing franchise that got us here. Yep, there's a lot in this world to talk about. I mean, so we're going to be going for a long time. But as we prepare for patch 5.3, there's some very significant pieces of information that um, we're going to be learning more about. But let's kind of prep ourselves by learning a little bit of... Wait, hold on. Do we want to jump... Yeah, I went right past it. There it is. Let's jump in and learn a little bit more about um area called Boja that will become a huge piece in 5.35. So, Sarah. All right. Why don't so, you yes. go ahead and take it away? Welcome to the Lorebrarian's Corner, everyone. It's been a little while. As Klaus said, given that uh, the Bozja region is going to be an important part of, of the new patch content, uh, including the Southern Bozja Front, we're going to go ahead and review a little bit about what we know about the Bozja incident. Now, caveat, of course, uh, Square has been known to add new elements or do things that will change the meaning and significance of a lot of this. So a lot of this is going to be subject to change, but it does give us a good uh, standing for what we know about it, what understanding we have going forward. So, the Bozja incident was actually introduced in 1.0 as a plot element, as part of the meteor scenario. It has been uh, developed and expanded upon further throughout various expansions, and it is inextricably tied with Sid's story. And the two were, in fact, introduced at the same time. Originally, the holdings of House Darnus, the same one that uh, gave us Nail Van Darnus, uh, included various artifacts excavated from Allegan ruins. Those artifacts, of course, tying in with Garlemald's uh, view of themselves as a successor to Allag. One of those artifacts was restored, and it was found to be capable of somehow contacting and interacting with the Red Moon Dalamud. This device was dubbed the Lunar Transmitter. Fun fact, in the original, original 1.0 uh, scenario, before all, uh, all this, uh, uh, before Yoshi P came on and the Meteor Project became a thing, uh, Dalamud was just, okay, there's a secondary moon here. 
of it was just a part of thing that they had of Memphina and her hound Dalamud as the entities that the deities representing these two moons. Yoshi P was like, hey, I need something to be a meteor. Do you have any plans for that red moon? And they were like, no. And he was like, great. <laughs> and then the red moon underwent uh, some historical changes. Now, in the setting, ancient legends told of the lost spell Meteor, a spell of unparalleled destruction. Garlands, of course, can't use Magitek, but Nail Van Darnus saw potential for replicating that legendary spell effect using technology. It's your classic Garlean replicating magical effects using Magitek. Now, students of 5th Astral Era history will recognize Meteor as a creation of the founder of black magic, that mad mage of Moth, Shitoto. The commonly held story being that one day she was really, really bored, and she just devised this spell that would pull down a star from the heavens and send it crashing to Earth, and that was Meteor. Attentive black mages will recognize this as a distortion of history. Shatoto or herself, or an echo of her memory anyways, uh, relates that she developed black magic in order to destroy a comet that threatened their civilization. Her spell diverted the bulk of the comet, but some small shards rained to Earth. And those raining shards were uh, themselves the thing that originated the idea of the meteor spell in uh, legend and history. Uh, one wonders, given the revelations we've had about star showers, if Shatoto accidentally awoke the echo in a bunch of people at the time. Hmm, interesting. Yep. Now, this does seem to suggest that there never was truly a meteor spell, at least not in the way that we think of it. Nail Van Darnus was creating a Magitech replica of a spell that never existed, which I just like to point to as the power of a good story. You have someone creating this amazing new thing based on trying to replicate a thing that never truly existed, bringing this thing from fantasy into reality. That's what a good story can do for you. Now, we've got our lunar transmitter, which seems to be able to interact with the moon Dalamud somehow. And we bring in here Sid's father, Midas. Uh, I want to note here, there is, of course, that long-standing series tradition of a character named Mid as a relative of Sid. Final Fantasy V, I think, was the first one where that happened, where you had Mid, Sid's grandson, as someone who's helping him out. But Midas was the head researcher for the Meteor Project, which was stationed at the Empire's Bosja Citadel. His development of Magitek had already been a key element in the Empire's rise, and to this day, the Garlean Empire still regards Midas as a heroic figure. Sid's reputation is in part because he is the son of the legendary Midas Nan Garland, in addition to his own impressive list of accomplishments. So, while working with the Lunar Transmitter at Ozja, Midas, as well as Nail Van Darnus, came under the thrall of the Red Moon and its primal occupant, Bahamut. The two of them were tampered and, uh, from that point on, were loyal servants uh, to Bahamut. You actually do see this in the first bit of the Resistance Weapons subquest when we're moving through Memoria Misera. Is it Misera or Miseria? I'm not actually sure now. I'm going to look this because this is going to bother me otherwise. <laughs> Trials. That sounds right. I think it's Miseria. Okay, yes. Memoria... Oh, it is Memoria Misera. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I would expect Miseria, but no, it's Misera. That's probably more correct based on the Latin. Well, fine. Uh, yep. I mean, you know how they are. They're sticklers about these things. But we saw those scenes play out and explored Sid's memory of them, where Sid sees, uh, has concerns about the figures that are uh, coming from this, about the potential destruction that the Red Moon could wreak, and is trying to reach his father with them, but his father ignored uh, uh, ignored all of his research, told him uh, to stay out of this. We know now, of course, that Midas was already under the control of Bahamut, and that nothing Sid did would have stopped his father. Uh, and so, of course, Bahamut trying to manipulate this situation, trying to get escape from his prison. And so that, uh, the Meteor Project, the research going on at Bozja Citadel, brings us to the Bozja Incident, which is a clinical-sounding name for the accident caused while researching the lunar transmitter. Bahamut, of course, does not necessarily know exactly how the lunar transmitter works. This is an Alec device. This is the stuff of his enemies. He just knows this is something that controls his prison, something that can presumably be used to bring him back and release him. In the process of that research, a pulse of energy was released from Dalamud that utterly obliterated the Bozja Citadel and its surroundings. We saw that entire, like, little city spread out before us. Every last bit of it, every building, all the walls, down to the foundation stones. The destruction was absolute. Everything reduced to ash. There are no known survivors of this incident. Now, in addition to the massive loss of life, countless treasures were lost. There was, of course, the original lunar transmitter, but also a number of other elegant artifacts that were brought in to assist with the research. So all of these treasures of House uh, Darnus were lost in that uh, Bozja incident. Uh, we also had Gunhilder's blades, the weapons that we're recreating as part of the Resistance weapons quest. Those had also been part brought there, in part as uh, treasure seized from uh, the native Hrothgar to demoralize them, but also as something to research. So those had also been stored on site and were also lost in the conflagration. Uh, this was something where, as I said, anyone there, absolutely wiped out. Those in the surrounding countryside, anyone who witnessed it, Garlemald came in swiftly. They grabbed anyone they could who had seen it. They interrogated them. They suppressed all mention of it. Uh, I believe within Garlemald to this day, very little is known about the particulars of the Bozja incident. That which is known is heavily propagandized. It's kind of their Tiananmen Square, I suppose. Not for the exact same reasons, but it is a, here is this thing that was this huge blow to us, embarrassing in terms of the narrative we built about ourselves, and so they, uh, they suppressed everything they could about it. The Bozja incident was what convinced Emperor Solus, who we know better as Emmett Selk now, uh, to abandon the Meteor Project and instead go with uh, Gaius's plans for conquest of the region. Nail continued to uh, work on the uh, towards the Meteor Project in sequence, uh, did eventually convince the Emperor to restart it, which is what uh, we saw at early on in 1.0. The restarting of that uh, project is what uh, caused Sid to choose to defect to Eorzea. Uh, he had already been traumatized by Bozja. He talks about 
picking through the ruins, such as they were, to find what little traces he could of what was left, knowing that his father and so many others had been wiped out by it. So this one incident ended up being the catalyst for a bunch of different uh, things that went on during the 1.0 meteor scenario storyline. We do also have, later in that storyline, at, I believe, Castrum... Castrum Novum it was at the time. It became Castrum Century later, because of the t- Castrum uh, Novum meaning new castle or new fortress. Now, with so many constructed, it is Central Castle or Central Fortress. Uh, but that site being where a rebuilt lunar transmitter uh, was uh, kept, uh, made from... Garlean technology and information drawn out from a whole bunch of tombstones. It's not as good as the Allegan one, but it served enough to start firing some of those thruster rockets on Dalamud, start adjusting its orbit, those slight changes in orbital mechanics that would eventually bring it crashing to Eorzea. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Everything is fine. Pay no attention to the rockets that we're shooting up there. It's fine. I for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, hey, Dalamud looks a little brighter uh, these last few weeks. Dalamud looks a lot brighter. Is it getting bigger? That's no moon. Yeah, that realization <laughs> came a bit late. <laughs> yes, at, at, at which point it exploded and, yeah, the rest. All fun stuff, history. end of an era. You've seen the rest of that story. But yeah that's the end of that story, but the Bozja incident is the one that started it off. So it's this hugely pivotal thing uh, in the uh, in the uh, story of A Realm Reborn, in the entire thing that brought the Meteor Project, and also a hugely pivotal thing in uh, Sid as a character. The experiences he had with seeing how his technology can be misapplied, the destruction it can bring, and turning his back on the Garlean Empire and instead defecting to Eorzea. So it's something that, again, we have bits and pieces of, though direct witnesses, all that other stuff we're still missing. It's something that, for how important and pivotal it was, there's still a lot about it that may be shrouded in mystery, and that hopefully over the next few updates we'll be pulling back that veil a bit. Now, yeah. as I mentioned, some of our understanding of it may be changed a little bit. Uh, the whole thing about the Hrothgar being involved with it, that is very definitely a later addition. They did not exist. The glimmer of the Hrothgar did not, had not even crossed the line. So there's definitely elements that may be added later on that will change our understanding of it. But for the moment, this is our understanding and what we're working with. Very and that's nice. the book. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate you uh, coming back with a wonderful uh, bit of lore for everybody. I hope you guys all enjoyed that. Oh, it is nice to be back on that. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of the power of a story, you get me telling the story. It's hard to get me to stop. Exactly, because <laughs> we're not done yet. Talents yeah. has been sitting on a, a, a lot of fish at the prep station for a, oh, a few that, episodes. That stuff goes off if you don't get it cooked up quickly. We should get on that. So, Talas, why don't you tell us about some salmon? If he's here. I'm here. I just forgot to unmute my mic. It's fine. (laughs) Wait, you have a button for that. Eh. 
Okay, fine. Uh, All right, so Salmon. Um, (laughs) Being from Western Washington, we're a little weird about our salmon because we know where a lot of it comes from. Um, Alaska is sort of the, like, home for a lot of salmon, even worldwide. Even stuff that I was getting in Japan was still fished from the same boats that are based out of Alaska and Seattle. So I love salmon a lot, and I was researching it here in Eorzea, and I found one dish that gets in that has three different recipes, and they're all slightly different variations on the original theme of the recipe it's based on. So we're looking at three different kinds of salmon. We're looking at bluebell salmon. It's an inland river salmon. Um, we're also looking at king salmon, which can reach massive, like twice the size of a normal salmon. We can also look at the lordly salmon. It's a steely blue salmon from the far east and they are a sea-based creature there's more details on each one uh in gamer escape if you want to really get into the seafood but for the interest of brevity just know that we've got three different types of salmon for the three different recipes each one a slightly different quality level uh some of the something that sarah noted there's a few fish with sema in the name it's a type of salmon uh, cherry salmon is found in Eastern Asia. Sema patrician is one that gets used in cooking. Uh, royal eggs, which gets used for effectively a salmon benedict, which is awesome, by the way. You smoked salmon for it. It's really, really good. Go heavy on the dill. Yeah. Anyway. Salmon benedicts were the thing that taught me that I like benedicts. It's true. It's true. Because mm-hmm. let's be real. Benedicts are great. Man, I don't need a ham steak on top of a biscuit. That's just too much for me in the morning. Uh the actual dish that we are looking at is called salmon manier. Uh, it is a French word, which means that I am pronouncing all the letters way too much and not enough simultaneously somehow. Uh, <laughs> manier is a mil- it means the miller's wife, uh, and it basically just means that the actual fish itself is coated in a grain or kind of a light flour, similar to how you would toss beef in flour before you brown it before for a stew. You kind of do the same thing here, so you have a little bit of a protective coating on your fish that protects it from the butter sauce that you're making. The basic version of the dish is lightly floured, lightly fried salmon filet. The sauce is made with a brown butter, parsley, and lemon. So it's bright, it's acidic, it's got a lot of depth of flavor to it. And in the real world, we can do it with a whole bunch of different kinds of fish. Uh, if I, When I was doing some research on this, I actually found sole appearing way more often than salmon when I was specifically looking for just the sauce technique. Um, If you've never browned butter before, medium heat, watch it like a hawk. You will burn a bunch of it before you figure it out. Just keep it moving and it should be fine. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw throw in briefly here, talking about the etymology and the word origins, the fact that uh, Meunier, am I saying it right? Meunier. Yes. Manier. That it meaning the miller's wife is not just about the fact that uh, you're using uh, ground grains, that you're using the flour in it, but that the miller's wife would usually have access to fresh fish from the uh, river or stream that's driving the mill. And so this is something where you've got like kind of a lighter sauce. You don't need to cover up the taste of old fish with this one. Right. When you have a fish, like, okay, I love me some catfish. I love me some Southern style cooking. I don't like cooked seafood in general. But if I'm going to have cooked seafood, I kind of like that Southern style where it's blackened, where it's got a really hot fire burning, hot depth, um, flaming peppers, whatever. Something super intense that goes over the fish. 
But when you're having something like catfish or black cod, it's dense. And the way it's farmed and fished out, it, you kind of need to cover up some of it. But for this instance, your fish is going to be extremely fresh. So it was going to be alive 20 minutes before you're eating it. And this is a cooked dish, not a sashimi dish. So you definitely want to have your sauce light so that you can taste that fish. The simplest form of it in the Eorzean cookbook, we have a level 23 recipe. It's using the bluebell salmon, the smooth butter, the sun lemon, and the sunset wheat flour and highland parsley. For anybody that spent any amount of time crafting, you know that every couple of tiers of stuff, you have a new set of base ingredients that you work with. And it's the same that's true. It's first you're using wool, then you're using cotton, then you're using silk, then you're using silk from a made-up creature, and it goes <laughs> on and on. First you use copper, then you use iron, then you use brass and gold and silver and mithril and everything else. Here we have like three or four different kinds of butter, three or four different kinds of lemon, a bunch of different kinds of flour. So as I explain the next sets of recipes with their ingredients, just know that it's not a specifically different kind of flour per se. It's just going to be a higher level of quality for game functionality. That being said, if you do want to make salmon manier on your own, your standard bag of AP flour will work. But if you have that really nice bag of Bob's Red Mill that you haven't played with for a while, that's really high quality, definitely think about tossing it on because you don't need a whole ton of it. <clears throat> is going to be kind of like really central to this you're tasting it fairly directly so it feels like using a high quality flower is going to shine through a lot more in those results well so i'm looking okay looking at the 20 level 23 recipe and i've said this about a thousand recipes real and eorzean you have salmon butter lemon flour parsley you have five ingredients not including salt and pepper we're not monsters but like <laughs> and one of those is a you, have, you have yeah one's a garnish and you have fire and water crystals that go in it if you upgrade one or two of those items your entire dish is going to upgrade immediately yeah like if you were so, to go from using just the store brand butter to like a Kerrygold get a Kerrygold get the fermented butter get those crazy butter uh, Irish butter rolls and stuff those are awesome or if instead of getting the little plastic bottle that's shaped like a lemon, you get an actual lemon. Please get actual lemons. <laughs> I have both too, because there's some stuff that I'm just like, no, I don't care. I'm making six gallons and it has salsa in it. I can use lime juice from a bottle, but like use fruit. It's not that or hard. Maybe you want to go from a regular lemon to a Meyer lemon. Ooh. We actually do. They do upgrade the lemon uh, in the next uh, recipe that I do want to touch on that. Yeah, the mind um, I used to do the cooking with have a lemon tree, and I'm thinking of going over and offering to walk their dog for a bit in exchange for some lemons. <laughs> you should definitely do that. So the next version of this recipe is actually in Master Culinarian 5. It is called the Sermon Worthy Manier. Oh, that's a terrible pun. Oh my god, right? It's a level 72 star. You're using the Lordly Salmon, which, if I remember correctly, is the... No, the King Salmon is the one that you can only buy with scripts. So, like, yikes, it's very good. Uh, Gear of Onion Flour, which is also something that you can't buy from an NPC. It is something that you have to make. Gear, uh, I'll have seen better days, so yeah. you gotta roll your own on that. So, Fermented Butter. You also have to make this, which means it's going to have that kind of sour cream, creme fraiche funk to it to really up that flavor. Crimson pepper shows up to make an appearance, um, 
but it's also going along with that fermented butter. So you need to kind of have all of your ingredients work together, especially when your sauce is only three pieces. Le Heaven's Lemon is your new acid piece. And if you look at the actual art for a Heaven's Lemon, it is a little bit smaller and it is a different uh, hue of yellow, which when we look at Meyer lemons, they're smaller and they're visibly a different color of yellowish gold than they are compared to the big yellow lemon sitting at the end of the produce counter. Yeah. So we now have, this is the one that gets weird. The actual sauce originally uses parsley in all of the old traditional recipes. Young, uh, dude, Sarah, I'm going to highlight a word. And man, I really hope that you can pronounce it because boy, I cannot. That's the young Seattleese spinach or Seattleese. The Seattleese being a set of islands just a little bit south of Vilbrand, where Limpsalomitsa is. Okay, so word I can't say. Uh, young spinach leaves. It's it, taking the role of the parsley. So it's a green, fresh, bright thing that goes into the sauce that gets folded off into the sauce off heat. So it's not going to wilt super hard. So it is going to work for the adaptation and the actual art for the icon is different because you're not using the same sauce. It is also good enough. This is taken straight from the item itself. It's good enough that a certain authority in church has deemed it holy, which church no one seems to recall. <laughs> <laughs> Actual real quote. Uh, Master Culinarian 7, King Salmon Manier, level 80, two-star, upland wheat flour, lemonette, night pepper, and fermented butter. Okay, so like I said, we're kind of upgrading it tier by tier, but we also went from level 23 to level 70 to level 80. We're going to need some slightly different stuff. This is food stand versus at a circus versus two-star Michelin restaurant. Like, when you're you're going to have slightly different ingredients. When you're working at this level, you need to be considering every aspect of the dish. And so in doing so, I'm wondering why, when I looked at it, we have flour, lemon, pepper, butter, fish. Okay, makes sense. There's no parsley in this, which, according to all of the sole manier recipes that I was finding, is a very critical component. We also have no part or no spinach like we did in the last one. That's really strange. I wonder why they got rid of it. This particular one, there is no parsley. There is no spinach present. Instead, they actually lean it into a little bit harder into the fried fish aspect of the dish by actually requiring more butter than the other two dishes do. So that means they're frying it in butter and then also using butter as a sauce. The icon for the level 23 version, there's different icons for different things. We know that like paprika is just a red bell pepper. Um, the yeah. icon for the level 23 version is a stark white plate. I describe it as the plate for a rental facility for a wedding. It is one of those mass-produced, kind of boring dollar plates. Mm -hmm. The sermon worthy and the king salmon versions are served on a bed of greens with a wedge of lemon on the side, and the rim of the plate is red. So you have a very upscale, decorative, full-set design for your plating for the higher level two-star master culinarian versions than you do for the literal Miller's wife fish from outside flour that we have stuff in pantry. We made food. 
It's funny so, that you bring that up because uh, I mentioned that photography class that I was teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, for the section, uh, uh, the first lesson on taking uh, still lifes and single simple objects, I did one using a poached egg where the first was on a white plate and then on like a plate with toast and a plate with a bed of greens. And those little variations, even with the same food, those little variations made the picture much more appealing. So I that, like this is something where it sounds like it's no longer just the cheap mass-produced plate, but you're paying attention to every aspect of the dish, including that presentation. Square plates, um, rims, when you have the, the soup bowl that goes on top of the plate, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's little things like that are the difference between the $9 food and the $19 food. The oh quality God, and the chefs are almost the same. It's the it's plating. There are the square blue plates that I have been wanting to get. It's like black underside and then like a blue kind of like, they look kind of Japanese and stuff. And I've been wanting to get them because I feel like everything I make will look fancier on. I have those, but link. on red. Send me links because I need, I need plates. Uh, so here's my last little piece for this. If you're going to make this dish, which I highly recommend because let's be real, you can get fish from a good fishmonger for not that much money and everything else is kind of staple. Uh, if you're going to make it, make sure you mix your lemon juice and your parsley and spinach into your brown butter off heat. You are, after all, the cooking machine of wilting your green. And given that your dish is rustic and old school, you might actually want to play with curly parsley over the flat leaf parsley. Because curly parsley is just a little bit denser and it's hard here. There's a reason that we use it in catering and throw it in you know, hot holding trays and stuff because it lasts forever and it can hold up to that heat. So pull your browned butter off heat and you can leave it in the pan, that's fine. But throw in that lemon juice and green because you don't want it to continue cooking with all that. You just want to fold it in so that you have a nice smooth, consistent sauce to go over your fish afterwards. Both butter and fish, if you like heat them too much, they can break down really fast. The cooking competition show that I was on, one of the traps that I got stuck with was my competitor was allowed to grab one of my ingredients and throw it in the microwave for one minute. I'll let you figure out what he grabbed. <laughs> he microwaved my salmon. It was gross. Dude, uh... microwaving fish makes you the enemy of every office in the world. Yes. Oh, people in the chat were cringing. It was great. <laughs> Oh man, I could go for some uh, fish meunier. Meunier? Meunier. Meunier. Right now. That sounds good. I have enough stuff to make it downstairs, I think. <laughs> Do you deliver? Uh, I can't eat it all <laughs> yes. the way that far. <laughs> there might be a little bit of a surcharge for distance. All right. Well, Maybe. thank you for that. Um, I think you made everybody in chat and listening on the podcast very hungry. Good. That's the goal. And I, I see an uptick in uh, sales of salmon tomorrow. For it about, I'm for about open six my people. stash app real quick and invest in the fishing <laughs> company. Yeah, like I said, for about six people. Yeah, so, okay. Maybe the delivery is possible, but we need to talk about if you can get your hands on salmon for me. Probably. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. So All fair. we had, it wasn't an email, but it was a really, really sweet uh, Twitter thread. From a user sale underscore FF on Twitter. And uh, very nicely said. I'm going to go ahead and read this. I just want to say that these music episodes have been my favorite ones. I never played the old ones nor the console ones, save for FF8 and 10. But I played the hell out of Theatrhythm. 
In my school years, me and my brother would burn CDs with OST of the games from the PlayStation era. Sleeping with the music and listening to it constantly has been my kind of nostalgia for the older titles, even if I never played them. But thanks to the music, I've learned to love them as well. The day I actually try to play them, I think my heart will melt for maybe different reasons than others. So thank you for these episodes. I'm enjoying them a lot, and I think I will die with a smile when you do FF6 music, because that's my favorite game of the FF titles. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. Six is amazing. <laughs> uh, music and uh, uh, aromas are the two things that can reach down deepest into your brain and just yank on all the levers. It is weird. Like, I know for music, it's weird how many times, like, I've just heard something, been listening to a tune that has these uh, things familiar with it, and I'll start randomly getting goosebumps. No clear reason why, but just something about the music just makes me feel. Anytime I'm at Lancetti Lumineer's house, um, she and her mom make fun of me every time. I will literally stand on her back porch with my eyes closed for just a couple of minutes and just breathe in. She lives right by the ocean, and every single mm. time I'm there, I am instantly transported back to Tokyo Bay. Every single time. Mm. It's yeah. really, really weird. Yeah, smell and music are the two that really, really seem to do it more than anything else. Alright, now... Humans are weird, y'all. I think, mm -hmm. Talas, you need yes. to read this next one. Okay. Because this, this person has, is, is special to you. It is. Um, I'm actually going to say who it is at the end. Uh, so, uh, this is coming from the uh, KupoCon uh, group post, and I have permission from the original author to read it on the podcast. Uh, every week they do a special appreciation, since we can't do events right now, for different games. And we post you know, swag and cosplays and stuff and our favorite memories about games. This one comes from Final Fantasy XV Appreciation. I've been a longtime player of Final Fantasy thanks to my brother handing me the PS1 controller when I was around five or six years old and helping me stumble through FF1. So when I bought my PS4, I chose Final Fantasy XV as my very first game. Despite the challenges the game went through development-wise, I can safely say it's tied as my top installment in the series, and it's only the second game in the series to make me cry aside from four, looking at you, Palom and Polom. Final Fantasy XV was the game that got me through university and my grandfather dying. Spoilers. These are actual spoilers. If you haven't played 15, peace out or skip about a minute and a half ahead in the podcast. Okay. When Noctis learned of his father's death, I understood the grief he was feeling all too well. But the ability to simply drive around and go on hunts and the cup noodle quest helped me distract myself from the grief and stress that my daily life consisted of. The first cosplay I ever did from Final Fantasy was Cindy Orum, and I debuted her at Port Palm back in 2019. Port Palm was my very first KupoCon, and I met so many wonderful Final Fantasy XV cosplayers, one of whom I'm honored to now call a good friend. It was Port Palm and Final Fantasy XV that literally kept me going at multiple points in my life. I did my best to hide it and didn't tell many people the details, but a week or so prior to Port Palm, I was in the hospital being treated for heart trouble. I was rushed into the ER with an uneven resting pulse of 187 BPM, shaking, numb limbs, etc. At multiple points, my pulse and blood pressure would skyrocket, then just as suddenly plummeted into almost nothing. After about 10 hours in the ER, I recovered with minimal damage, but the doctors told me if I hadn't come in when I did, I could have easily gone into V-fib and suffered from a cardiac arrest. The entire time I was in the ER, 
hooked up to the machines and listening to them beep or set off a series of alarms, I was so scared. But I kept telling myself, you haven't even beaten the Pityos ruins yet. You haven't caught the leash of the lake yet. You haven't worn your Cindy cosplay to Port Palm, which you already bought tickets for. You have so much to look forward to. So many new friends are waiting. You're going to leave this ER and walk tall. Which sounds dumb in context, but I'm incredibly stubborn. I'm the type of person who has to complete every possible dungeon and side quest in video games. So it's 100% on brand for me to be laying on my possible deathbed in an ER saying, no, bring me the PS4. I'm not done with these boys yet. Once again, in probably a weird twisted way, Final Fantasy XV kept me going. I love this game to pieces. And to this day, sometimes I'll load it up and just spend a few hours going fishing. So I guess this is my long-winded way of saying Final Fantasy XV is an incredible game that I know it has touched a lot of lives in many ways. To those who cherish this game as much as I do, walk tall, my friends. Anybody that didn't figure it out after the first sentence, this is my sister. Uh, she did come to Port Palm. She is the Cindy from Port Palm, end quote. Um, it was an amazing... all of the pictures of. Amazing... Yeah, she had an absolute blast. Um, we had a ton of fun. There was, I ended up literally just having to be her handler for a little while because there were so many people grabbing pictures with her. Um, but this is something that she didn't even tell me until very recently. And Pyrocats is mentioning in the chat that she is boss. Yeah, my sister is pretty freaking rad in a lot of ways. Um, she went out to the Amazon rainforest last summer to work with monkeys. Oh, damn. And had a heart attack in the jungle and hiked down a mountain and then said, hello, I need to go home. And came home half bug bites. Literally, she was almost double her size, just covered in bug bites. But she managed to somehow get there, play in the jungle with monkeys, and come back alive in like two weeks <laughs> she's in she makes me look passive she's awesome i really liked hearing uh that letter just because i i know that a lot of the community sometimes myself included it's easy to get jaded to be like okay we need to judge on this oh we have to see this oh yada yada oh they phone this it is. like it's easy to get in near to that and forget about even like for the ones that aren't necessarily our favorites there's still a lot of those really magical moments, a lot of those good memories that everyone has their one that's going to come to them. But, like, one of the reasons we get so jaded is we expect quality across the board. And we expect it because we've generally gotten it, even when they misstep. Even if it's, like, not the greatest for a Final Fantasy game, which everyone's going to have their own opinions on what that constitutes. Even when it's that, they're still really well-done games. And there's still so many memories and so many huge pieces and moments that we all have, you know, meeting you two, um, getting my tattoo, uh, being completely lost and alone and scared out of my wits end in Nagasaki earlier this year and playing the Final Fantasy one randomizer, different builds over and over and over again to keep myself sane. Like little stuff like that is what really binds us together in this franchise. Yeah, Fan Fest. Um, oh God, Detour. Um, any any yeah. um, video game or you know whatever Cultural convention. Event. 
all the di- all all the little lazy afternoons where you just sign in and you're not doing much but using it as a glorified chat room and shooting the shirt with your friends and, and random person that. decides to say hey i have a spot open in this party you want to help me uh get a uh, nightmare and you go for the and next you end up playing with that person for the next three years and they end up in your static at one point or you do a duty or whatever whatever you do a duty roulette with two friends and you get one more person in there and you don't see them again after that but during that one it's like your old friends they are your best friend for 22 minutes and they're like you develop in jokes in the space of seconds <laughs> so good i love i love that this is true across not only i mean not only 14 but like you know we've all you know we played 11 we've played wow we've played a lot of these online games but a lot of this stuff we played single player and then when we come together, we can say, hey, did you figure out the thing where, you know, Fang and Lightning can juggle somebody with weapons? It's like, oh, yeah, I totally did. And, like, we can have those kind of intimate moments alone and together. It's such a cool experience. I ended up making a set of acquaintances. Like, I still talk to them from time to time. But, like, still people I know just because I overheard a, co- a conversation about Chocobos. I was like, I need to throw in this information that is relevant. <laughs> and, now, and now we have people we know moment but it was still great yeah every mm-hmm. game is somebody's favorite game i want to write my such self. a crazy concept because i'm like really type zero is somebody's favorite game i'm sure somebody okay. thinks it's their favorite play very much of it but everything i know about it's like i actually type zero is the one that i think best makes the arguments this is why summoners are feared. This is why nations lead things to destroy summoners. I'll find the video for you, but it makes the best sure. argument for why a summoner is a force of nature akin to a nuclear weapon. And then you find out that somebody is like, their favorite game is Legend 2, and you go, really? And then you watch them play it for an hour, and you go, oh, God, you're smarter than me. And like, they have like this weird... <laughs> nuanced understanding of like how some of these games work yeah well yeah some people's favorite game is 10 2. we pray for those people we did kick chili out of the mod chat right (laughs) i want you to know that i'm just narrowing my eyes at you right now i liked 10 2. it just was not my style that's fair it's fair and on that note that's gonna do it for this episode guys if you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. It does help other people find our show and it helps us to grow in the community as well as lets us know what you think. If you really dig this show, you can consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash Radio, where you'll get access to a number of subscriber badges, um, uh, emotes, and uh, things like that. Or if you really want to support us, uh, you can be like our amazing friend, Rory Fenrir, and uh, support us out on patreon.com slash Radio. Like I said, at the top of the show, we made some changes to our tiers a little bit. So uh, um, consider to stop out there and uh, take a look. All the proceeds we get go towards growing the show, covering things like the hosting costs and allows us to do some fun things like some giveaways um, and maybe even some really cool things coming up for our five-year anniversary in a month. Oh my God. Is that seriously in a month? Holy crap. September 5th is five okay, years. For me, for me, it's, oh, 
it's another yearly anniversary and I have to stop and go, oh my god, I have been part of this show for long enough to have another yearly anniversary. <laughs> so, so yeah. It's um, so good. Any type of support, whether it's likes, uh, emails, tweets and retweets, follows, subs or donations, they're always greatly appreciated because we just love in interacting with you in the community. If you want to check out our backlog of episodes, you can check out our website, phoenixdownradio.com. Shoot us an email if you've got a question or a suggestion, podcast at phoenixdownradio.com. Our Twitter account is at phxdnradio. And again, uh, you can check out us live every other Saturday night at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. We also stream a bunch of random other things, and we're going to try and get that Fall Guys stream going so we can have some fun yeah, in that. Oh, that's going to be hilarious. I'm looking Same forward time. to that. So, shout outs. Who wants I'm going to go, gonna first? go first on this one. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say I'd like to shout out Pyrocats, uh, who has recently, like an hour and a half ago, uh, she has started the official fight in earnest against housing EX um, in reality and is putting a bid in on a house. That is super exciting for them. Uh, I'd like to shout out my sister, who sometimes plays 14, but uh, decided to take a break so that she could finish her senior thesis about living in the jungle and having chiggers in her ankles while she was helping monkeys get down from trees. <sighs> That's a perfectly good reason to take a break from 14. No uh, excuses. I'd also, <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to shout out uh, Bannon, uh, who is allowing me to move back into his house. So that I am no longer a vagabond in this world. <laughs> You're no longer going to be a Bartz? No, unfortunately. Although I will say this, I definitely have a savings account labeled Get a New Boko-san. <laughs> Fair. Because uh, I want an MR2 again. <laughs> or, you know, you, a couple of days ago, you could have bought a Hachiroku. You know, I did seriously think about buying a Hachiroku on Hachiroku Day, uh, but, but twenty two thousand dollars for yeah. that built one that I found is a lot. There was a nice looking bl all black uh, um, uh, Toyota though. It's a very nice looking. It's the two door, which is the one that I want, not the three door hatch. Yeah, um, isn't that anyway, the same one? Anyway, if you want to hear more about dumb car stuff, <laughs> uh, you can find me sure. on Twitter at Talis Marvelous T A L I Z Marvelous. I post a lot of stuff about cars. Uh, I can also available on Instagram, which I'm actually a little bit more active on. I'm marvelous tofu on there. Uh, you'll know me when you see me. It's not too hard to figure it out. Awesome. Sarah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout out to my friends, Andy and Austin, as well as our mutual friends, uh, Michael, Nick, Simone, and Thomas. Oh, and Harris. Can't forget Harris. Oh, and other Austin. There's two Austins. It's a little bit confusing. Um, uh, just uh, over the last week, uh, joining in on uh, your trial games, um, messing around, showing off all sorts of silly mounts. I took them for a ride in the uh, regalia. It was great. And just like revisiting some of that magic, getting me out of my slump. It was really, really fun to spend some time with you, and I'm looking forward to doing more of that in the future. Uh, and for those of you who like the social medias, you can find me on Twitter at FF14SARE. That's F-F-X-I-V. S-E-Y-R-R, -R, uh, where I mostly post random neat stuff that I cooked or occasional things from the library. There's not as much of that these days. But given I just took that uh, taught that photography class and I was able to check out a DSLR, I am thinking of taking pictures of more stuff. 
I should get my landlord to juggle some torches. Ooh, at night. Mess with, yeah. those, mess with the ISO settings in your F-stops. Yes, I know what that means now. I know. Isn't that great? We, we should talk more <laughs> more photo stuff because being I have this nice DSLR now too. Awesome. Yeah, mine is technically checked out from the library, but given that they're not going to be able to run any of the classes that the rest of the public would need to check them out for a while, the librarian said I've got it for at least a few months. Ooh, nice. Yes. Maybe you'll be able to save up and then you can get one of your own and uh, then you can start using it as a, a webcam like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Tempting. It's not like Logitech's turning them out any faster. No. And we're sidetracking. All right. And I, of course, want to shout out these two knuckleheads that uh, come join you every episode. Talas and Sarah, thank you so much for being a part of this show. I always appreciate it when you can always be here for it. Try our best. It's really back. Like the last couple shows have been actually really good to just get back into the groove of it. There's something to be said about getting back to normalcy. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Nick Nar. Thank you so much for being an avid supporter of us um, and for being a for subscribing for what was it, 38 months? It's Damn. Just, it's amazing that we've like, been. We, I did 36. That's like a nice even three years. 38 is just weird. Well, I mean. We we were officially uh, affiliates uh, three years ago, two months ago. Damn. Wow. Has he seriously not missed a month? No. Dang. Good yeah. job, dude. Um, him and, and myself, I believe, are, are the... Sorry, go ahead, Sarah. He pulls hard for us, and I love it. Yeah, and I mean, oh, he, cool. he, was even Thanks, a, a, he was even a tier three for a while to get that lovely Lava Scorpion. <laughs> Praise Lava Scorpion. Um, yeah, I think, I think he and I are the two that have, uh, not missed a month yet. Um, mine, I have to redo mine tomorrow, so. But, uh, shout out to him. Shout out to Aurori for being an amazing supporter of us as well. Shout out to everybody joining us live here at Twitch and everybody listening on the podcast as well. We love, uh, doing this show for you guys and I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, we're going to keep going as long as we have fun doing it. So we hope you're having fun too. And you can find me out on Twitter at PHXDN underscore K-L-A-U-S-S. -S. You mostly find me uh, retweeting Sticker Mule because their, uh, their uh, um, social media person is on point and they're just really goofy. And uh, every time you retweet one of their tweets, you have a chance to win a $500 uh, Amazon gift card. So, I mean, there's that too. <laughs> but Prepare no, so, for spam. And again... Um, not a sponsor, but Sticker Meal. We've been using them for a lot of our stickers and things like that that I've been getting um, for, for giveaways and stuff. When we can actually meet up again in the future. Prepare for spam and naked ham. No, that doesn't work. No, not quite. But uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, all of you guys. So for my co-host, Sarah Timono, for Talas Marvelous, I'm Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at YouTube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarLinker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at YouTube.com slash GuitarLinker90.
The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.